No one's gonna tell me how I'm gonna boogie. Come on, everybody, boogie bumper tonight. No one's gonna tell me how I'm gonna boogie. Come on, everybody, boogie bumper tonight. No one's gonna tell me how to boogie. Come on, everybody, boogie bumper tonight. Go. Good afternoon and good evening, whoever you are, wherever you are, whatever you are. Thank you for joining us. It's Wednesday night here on another edition of the Daily Boogie Podcast. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you for sharing the show out. If you did, if you didn't, that's okay too. As always, tonight's recommended drink is cheap box wine. Tonight's recommended snack is bland brand no-name crackers. This is the official wine and crackers broadcast here on DLive. Thank you for joining us. So much to get through, as always, and so little time. Uh, if you'd like to become a full-time supporter of the show, then please, by all means, head to patreon.com slash boogiebumper. Become a subscriber by hitting the subscribe button on your preferred podcast player. And, of course, if you would like to complain about anything, then you can do so by following me on Twitter at boogiebumper. Ladies and gentlemen, uh, I've got an issue here on my end. I don't have... I can only see the chat on the screen. I can't, my usual chat thing isn't working for some reason. Uh, it's one of those internet days. The internet has decided to take a collective crap on all of us. So we're, do, we're doing our best. To, and there it goes. And we're back again. Thank you for joining us, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls. Uh, so much to get through tonight. Uh, a couple of important things I wanted to get through. Oh, thank you. Winning TV with a diamond. Thank you. Excellent old school Periscope today. Yes. It's been a while since I did one. Uh, and if you watch that Periscope or listen to it earlier, then a couple of the things that I've got to talk about today will make sense to you because I already kind of laid out a little predicate in that earlier Periscope earlier today. If you didn't see it, you can check it out on my timeline uh, at Boogie Bumper. Talking Ring about the, the absurdity of crowds. Cheese, man. Uh, thank you for the sub. Movie Time Blues, two month sub streak. Talking about how we're all being fed into the same shoebox. Um, talking about some of the absurdity, but we'll get into it. Some of the absurdity with people thinking that they're on opposing sides, but they're actually arguing for the same thing from different directions and they don't realise it. So we'll get into that a little later on. Talking about small business coronavirus lockdowns and stuff. So Because as you know, I'm a pretty boring kind of guy. A pretty boring economics nerd sometimes. So we'll, <laughs> we're going to get into that. We're also going to touch base with our preferred candidate for 2020. That's right. Toddles is back, ladies and gentlemen. Very much looking forward to that. For a couple of reasons, we're going to check out Toddles' latest presidential pitch because he's done another one that I haven't seen yet. But more importantly, we're going to see if Toddles has finally found love. And oh, love's just such a beautiful thing, isn't it? Such a beautiful thing. So I had the link sent to me about Toddles finding love and i promise the person who sent it to me i will not watch it until i watch it on the show with the rest of you so i'm very much looking forward to that plus we have a couple of weird and wonderful things to get through as well so thank you for joining us before we get to any of that ladies and gentlemen i want to ask the pressing questions here on this show you know here we like to talk about the truth the truth is all important and how are we going to undo the damage that's been done over the last few years? Well, for the answers to these kinds of existential questions, I go to one place and one place only, and that is the good people 
of Slate, uh, Slate, pardon me, of Salon.com, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> On the de-Trumpification of America. Look at him there. Look at him there. Look at this. This is a very dark, these are very dark times, aren't they? Dark, sinister, evil, dare I say, fascist times. You can see the wall there on the left, the White House on the right. What is a poor peasant to do? On the de-Trumpification of America, it definitely won't be easy, but it must be done. We have to de-Trumpify you. Now, what does de-Trumpification mean? I'm glad you asked because we're about to find out. We go to the experts for this kind of commentary. Defeating Donald Trump might be the easy part. Uprooting the toxic movement he represents could take decades. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> I love I love these kinds of things because it's often people like this who like to talk about fear campaigns, right? You know, the 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 moral savagery of using fear to get what you want in politics. Smokey Bear in the chat says nobody even listens to Salong. That's not true. And we've covered stuff like this on uh, the old show I used to do with James R. Trust and Verify. Oftentimes, you know, we predicted the um, the rise of Pete Buttigieg by covering Slate and Salong. Oftentimes, an idea will start in publications like Slate and Salon, and then it gets moved up the chain. And, the, you know, the BuzzFeed will pick up what they read in, in Salon, and then CNN will report on what they see in BuzzFeed. So you might say that nobody listens to it, but they do probably without realising it. You know, a lot of these conversations start on these more fringy websites and then eventually work their way up the chain. Because, like, what do you think the people of BuzzFeed are reading? What do you think the people of CNN are reading, right? <laughs> Notice the author. What? A, a An accomplished writer, Fat Caterpillar? Is that who you're referring to? Hmm? Despite the deep hole he's in, Donald Trump could still win re-election, as we are constantly reminded. If he loses, some observers warn, there could be considerable trouble. Big trouble in little Trump town. Even violent resistance, ladies and gentlemen. But perhaps the biggest problem facing us in the medium to long term is what happens if Trump loses. <laughs> in particular, what do we do to undo Trumpism? It's a, it's a tremendous question. Not just to counter the destruction Trump has wrought, but the decades-long preconditions that made his election possible, if not inevitable, ladies and gentlemen. That's right. We have to undo the previous four or five decades of we have to have some cultural unlearning to make sure that this never, ever happens again. Um, imagine sitting there at the Salon HQ thinking that the subversion and the cultural overreach of various people in, say, like Hollywood, education, the media and whatnot. Imagine sitting there and legitimately thinking that it didn't go far enough over the last 50 years. <laughs> I mean, we're now at a stage where waving the American flag is akin to Nazism and giving your prepubescent children hormone replacement therapy is something that a good non-bigot will do. And yet all the while we're still sitting here going, you know, we haven't done enough. We haven't done enough suppression of certain elements of the culture because 
Donald Trump still got elected. How are we going to fix this? <laughs> it's like that old thing. Um, you know, I'm not a big rap on socialism, but the problem is with socialism, it's closed loop thinking. If you apply a little bit of socialism to an, to an economy and it fails, there's only one answer, and that is we need to do more socialism to it. Amberlina with the diamond, thank you so much. Hi, Boogie. Sorry I'm late. That's okay. You can show up late every day if you're going to continue giving me diamonds for doing it. <laughs> thank you for joining us. The question was raised recently by Foreign Policy in Focus editor John Pfeffer, whose 2017 book, An Aftershock, uh, Aftershock, A Journey into Eastern Europe's Broken Dreams, I reviewed here. The book was deeply steeped in the difficult challenges of rebuilding democratic culture, unsurprisingly. Pfeffer's recent column cited several historical signposts to illuminate the challenge we face. The end of the Confederacy, <laughs> Nazi Germany, and Saddam Hussein's Iraq. All those efforts to rebuild were, quote, flawed in various ways, he wrote. Democracy doesn't work. The first and most last dramatically, but learning from them might help us avoid repeating the mistakes of history. Yes, you heard that correctly. They are equating the probable and obvious election loss of Donald Trump coming up in November. So when Donald Trump loses, rebuilding the United States is going to be exactly like rebuilding the Iraq war, Iraq after the Iraq war. It's going to be like reunifying Nazi Germany. <laughs> or it's going to be like reunifying the United States after the Civil War, ladies and gentlemen. Minister of Fun, Kimmy with a diamond. Here's my late tax. Sorry, I forgot. Thank you for joining us. Minister of Fun, Kimmy is going to be on with Coffee Talk with Sandra later on tonight. I think 9 p.m. So tune into that, dlive.tv slash Coffee Talk with Sandra. If you want to see Electrolux chatting with our friend Coffee Talk with Sandra. The thrust of Pfeffer's argument is twofold, the author continues. First, Trump is backed by an amalgam of forces, including, quote, the bulk of conservative civil society. What's so civil about conservatives anyway, really? Let's be honest here. Awful, awful people. Disgusting people. Including, quote, the bulk of conservative civil society. And even if he's defeated... Trumpism, the particular articulation he's given to those forces, will survive the election and continue to be an existential threat. Yeah, that's right. Apparently, news has gotten out, word has gotten out, that if Donald Trump loses the election, there could be a whole raft of people in the country who aren't happy about it. Mm. It's an amazing prediction, really. A very ballsy prediction. Because when you think about it, after every previous election, everybody 100% is on board with whoever, with whoever won it and the agenda that they have, right? Of course. This will be the first time in history that if Donald Trump loses the election, a whole bunch of people won't be happy. <laughs> this is mind-numbing stuff to me. This is the kind of shit that you read when you want to turn your brain into custard, as far as I'm concerned. It's like how they always say after every election, right? It's, remember back in 2016, as soon as the votes were in, as soon as it was decided that Trump won the election, remember the, remember the rhetoric? America has never been so divided, right? I was getting people saying this to me. 
oh, this represents, this election represents that America is so divided. And I would say to people, do you realize what a mindless, nothing statement that is? Like you're just saying words, but you're not saying anything. And they're like, what do you mean? Look, it's never been so divided. I'm like, yeah, yeah. But that's what an election is. An election is divisive by definition because you're giving people often two options and you're saying, okay, now divide yourselves into two groups and let's see who has the most people. <laughs> An election has to be divisive. In, in, in Australian Parliament, when they have a vote, they even call it, they don't call it a vote, they call it a division. They say a division is in progress, right? That's the like the legal parliamentary traditional language they use. A division is in progress because we're dividing people up into who they want to vote for. So it's very easy. Once you see it, you can't unsee it because we all know that if Joe Biden wins the election in 2020, they won't even mention the word division. They'll say the election of Joe Biden represents that everybody is united against Donald Trump. <laughs> even though there was a division by the very fact that there was an election taking place. Oh, this proves that everybody is united. It is so dumb. And if you find yourself repeating these empty, shallow, pointless epithets and considering it to be like political discussion, I've got a harbour bridge to sell you. I'm sorry. In fact, if you want to talk politics with me and these are the kinds of things you say, we've never been so divided. When Biden wins, it'll prove that everybody is united against the division. I can't even talk to you at that point. I say, here's a ball. Perhaps you would like to bounce it. Would you like to play with a toy car? Vroom, vroom, look at him go. Vroom, beep, beep. Second, the author continues, Pfeffer argues that we must learn from examples of the past, flawed though they might be in many ways, in order to do better. Yes, let's look at Nazi Germany again for the thousandth time and see how we can do things better. <laughs> I know. Let's ban and censor anybody who's even on the right wing of the spectrum. That will ensure entirely that Nazi Germany never happens again. How about this? How about we start celebrating openly things like trans culture, for example? That'll ensure that another Hitler never comes to power. Mm. <laughs> How about this for an idea? Let's learn from history. How about we replicate exactly the cultural conditions that were taking place in Germany right before Hitler took power. Right before there was that uprising. That will prove, that will ensure that it never Hitler ever, ever, ever happens again. <laughs> People don't know this, but did you know that the first sex change operation took place in Berlin, in Germany, in somewhere, I think it was in the 1910s? And when you hear about, remember, you know, people like to reference the Nazis burning books. Very seldom do people actually talk about which books they were burning, right? It's a very shallow thing that people on both sides say, oh, they're burning books just like the Nazis. But how many people actually say that uh, which books the Nazis were burning? I'll tell you which books they were burning. They went to a progressive think tank where people were arguing things like the sexualization of children, and, um, you know, not non-binary gender theory. Those are the books they were burning. Because that was the cultural condition 
in Germany before World War II. People never, people never seem to add that part of the story on. It's too much nuance for people, too much detail. But it's interesting nonetheless. The article continues, Two of the examples, Nazi Germany and Saddam's Iraq, are classic examples of pathocracies which I've written about before, and thus led me to reach out to two experts I've consulted in the past, Ian Hughes and Elizabeth Micah, who wrote perhaps the most politically crucial chapter of the dangerous case of Donald Trump, ladies and gentlemen. Pathocracy is a situation where dangerously disordered personalities predominate in positions of power. <laughs> it's very word salady. Such individuals' propensity for violence and greed, it's always... They're always referring to, like, the darkest, sickest, most disgusting, depraved, debased kinds of pathologies when they talk about you, right? If you're somebody who's like, well, I, I just voted for the man because I think that we should have our own factories again. And, uh, you know, I don't like the whole uh, progressive thing going, like, getting out of hand sometimes. I think, you know, maybe they go a little bit too far in the public schools. <laughs> no, no, no. You want to predominate a position of power because you have a propensity towards violence and greed. <laughs> and you might be standing there going, I don't know, man, I just own an auto shop. <laughs> I I just do some panel beating on the weekend for extra cash and I, I ride a ride on lawnmower. And you know, I just didn't like that Hillary Clinton, man. I just didn't trust her, you know, with the emails and all that kind of thing. So shut up. You have a propensity towards violence and greed, sir. Cabaret in the chat. Yes, yes, taxes. But do you support anal fisting? Of course I do. Um, I'm in favour of John McAfee. We may not be a full-blown pathocracy yet, Hughes and Micro agree, but we're headed in that direction. We are at the beginning of this process, Micah said. Like the virus-induced disease, it may need to take its course before it weakens and we can start to rebuild from the devastation it will cause. It's hard to say what shape this devastation will ultimately take, ladies and gentlemen. This is probably my favorite paragraph from this article. Have a listen to this. Trump himself may be expendable from the far right's point of view. Another fun thing I need to point out, the far right hates Donald Trump. <laughs> I, don't know, I don't know how much, how more obvious it can be. If you define Donald, if you define the far right as anti-gay, um, anti-Semitic, and whatnot, the far right are amongst Donald Trump's most ardent opponents because of his relationship with Israel, and he gets, and because of people like Charlie Kirk and Turning Point USA, we need to bring the drag queens in to the conservative movement, right? The far right hate Donald Trump, <laughs> but they just keep saying it over and over and over again. Trump himself may be expendable from the far right's point of view, but Pfeffer writes, quote, this is fantastic, quote, Trumpism, which lies at the intersections of racial and sexual anxiety. How about that? Trumpism. What is Trumpism? Some people have, different people have very different definitions for Trumpism. I think Trumpism is, you know, a form of populism 
which is spurred in large part by people feeling they are being left behind by the economy of globalism and they are seeing their their towns and their communities change they're not being given access to the you know the ladder which would see them progress economically their factories are closing down right they're they're getting they're having less and less control over how they can prosper in a so-called a so-called free economy right there's too much wealth being collected by certain groups in in society there's not enough access for them in order to you know get to that wealth blah 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 banking etc a whole bunch of stuff the attacks on nationalism national identity national sovereignty cultural identity all it's all feeds into it it's never just one thing but to somebody like a political expert who believes that the de-Trumpification of the United States will take decades and is an existential threat to other people. To somebody like that, Trumpism is, quote, it lies at the intersection of racial and sexual anxiety. (laughs) Sexual anxiety. (laughs) Yep. That's all it is. Trumpism, which lies at the intersections of racial and sexual anxiety, hatred of government and the expert class. They're even now talking about the expert class. Remember remember when the left's job was to eliminate the classes? Remember that? Remember that? Like, it, it seems like only yesterday when people on the left were saying that classes, being part of a class-structured society is inherently evil. And now the very same left-wing intellectuals bemoan the fact that the far right, apparently, has disdain towards the quote-unquote expert class. (laughs) Coffee talk with Sandra with the diamond. Thank you so much. Hi, Boogie. Sex. I love sex. No worries. Well, that's a strange donation. But thank you for joining us nonetheless. I don't know why I didn't get my alert pop-up. There it goes. It's a little late. Make sex great again. What's what's with the sex? Oh, sexual. Oh, I see. I see what you're doing there. See, I've already mentally moved on from that non-point <laughs> all you gotta do is mention sex and the chat goes nuts completely off topic pun intended <clears throat> hatred of government and the expert class i think it was george orwell who once wrote that um professors intellectual socialists actually have nothing but disdain for the working class they hate you he wasn't wrong coffee talk with sandra with the diamond so many more things to say <clears throat> Because, I mean, if you think about it, to people who write articles like this, the non-university educated white lower middle class blue collar workers like the miners or the guys who work in an auto shop, for example, you represent the uneducated, you represent the rednecks. They hate you. They say that they want to help you. They say that they're all in favour of the working class. But that re- that really is just a myth. Now, me saying that doesn't mean by definition that the other side cares about your life anymore either. But just purely as a as a project of analyses. You know, the the professor who earns six figures who talks about things like Trumpism lying at the intersection of racial and sexual anxiety does not give a single fuck if you can't afford your electricity bill. They they don't care if you have job security down at the auto zone. If anything, they hate you. You're a, you're a worthless, pointless human being to them. You're a wage slave. 
unintelligent, uneducated, and uncultured. You're fearful, you're racist, you're awful, you're disgusting, right? And you vote for Trumpism. Hatred of the government and the expert class and opposition to cosmopolitan internationalism is not so easily rooted out, ladies and gentlemen. Have a look at that. Don't you love it when they uncloak themselves? (laughs) Huh? You have hatred of government and the expert class and you have an opposition to cosmopolitan internationalism. You need to be rooted out. Hey, how about that? Comrades, when they said workers of the world unite, did you think that they were talking about your job? Did they think they were just you were just they were just talking about the people who work at your Walmart, workers of the world unite? By international cosmopolitan standards, you are among the most best paid workers on planet Earth. Your job is expendable. Think about the greater good. It doesn't matter if we shut down your business. It doesn't matter if we end your employment contract because of coronavirus. Think about the greater good. It doesn't matter if you lose your home, if you can't pay your rent. You're an uneducated redneck to begin with. Think about the greater good. Think of the people we're trying to save here. See, you can see a trend developing. So there you have it, ladies and gentlemen. The de-Trumpification of America, it definitely won't be easy, but it must be done. And it must be done and it shall be done. All right. Let me bring you down here to Australia for another little update, ladies and gentlemen. This will blow your hair back. This will tickle your your pickle. This will float the little man in the boat. Have a look at this stuff. From the People's Democratic Republic of Victoria, uh, the most left-wing government in my country in the state of Victoria, have a look at what they're up to with their latest response to the second wave of Corona chanting. Selfish Victorians have been read the Riot Act, breach (laughs) isolation and face a $5,000 fine. The Premier's revealed of 3,000 ADF door knocks, 800 infected people were not home. Selfish Victoria. This is the, this is the media, right? This is free-to-air television. <laughs> Look at the way it's being framed here. Selfish Victorians have been read the Riot Act and look at some of the words that flash up on the screen like no mercy. <laughs> They're really going balls to the wall on this. They are declaring war on those selfish people who want to continue working and and put food on the table, put food in their hungry children's mouths. How dare they? Selfish, disgusting people. They're basically fucking murderers. Ah, No mercy. Zero tolerance. (laughs) (laughs) Have a look at this. Evening, selfish Victorians have been read the Riot Act. And you can see, we covered this on Monday night. They have the literal military patrolling the streets of this city, mind you. Men and women in military uniforms are walking around Melbourne enforcing lockdown laws. (laughs) Selfish Victorians. (laughs) Breach isolation and face a $5,000 fine. Yeah, $5,000. The Premier's revealed of 3,000 ADF door knocks, 800 infected people were... 
$5,000 fine, you say. Joke's on them. I don't have a fucking job anymore. <laughs> Not home. There's been a sickening attack on a policewoman sickening. who asked someone to mask up in Frankston. Shop owners are bracing for a last-minute rush before retail shuts down and the virus has claimed another 11 lives, all in aged care. <sighs> that last-minute rush before retail shuts down. Do you remember I referenced um, a while ago the to and fro that I had with somebody on Twitter when I said, you know, you may be called a conspiracy theorist, but it would be wise to get a little extra supplies next time you go shopping. You know, get the extra flour, get the extra toilet paper, get the extra pasta and stuff, because what are you going to do when uh, the retail businesses close down? What are you going to do? You know, you can sit back and laugh and say that people who are stocking up are conspiracy theorists and wackos, but you'll be the one trying to borrow a tin of baked beans from the conspiracy theorists and wackos when the local store closes. And I was told ad nauseum, no, nah, never going to happen. They're not going to shut down the retail stores. They're not going to do that. <laughs> now they're just openly using it. Now they're just openly uh, signaling it on the media, ladies and gentlemen. Well, there's going to be a last minute rush before the retail stores are closed down. See, it's not a policy yet. But we just float the conversation out there to ensure that you're nice and ready for it when it does become policy. Once you see it, you can't unsee it. Once you learn how to read the subtext of the media, you'll never be surprised by what politicians do ever again. Andrew Lund begins our coverage. With Melbourne masked up <laughs> and city streets looking eerily quiet. <laughs> this is good. How that, look at that, masks on statues. Semper Reloaded with the diamond. What is pastas? <laughs> what do you got? Pasta? Pasta? Yeah, I love my pasta. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's pasta, sir. Pasta. Alright. Enjoy your tomato with meaty flavors and pasta. Masks on set. You can't put brains in statues, but you can put masks on them, it seems. So we've answered that age-old question right here. Isn't that fantastic? Instead of tearing down the statues of George Washington and Christopher Columbus, why don't we get them to mask up? Maybe we can educate those far right-wing white supremacists a little, huh? <laughs> maybe if they're maybe if their historical slave-whipping heroes are wearing masks, they might be willing to put one on before they go into Walmart. How about that? Think outside the box, activists. That's all I'm asking. Try something else. Try something new. You never know. It might fucking work. With Melbourne masked up and city streets looking eerily quiet. <laughs> Amber Lita with the diamond. My husband and I put masks on the mannequins. That's fantastic. Now, do you also, uh, you know, rub the mannequin on the booby? <laughs> Which is what I would totally expect a listener of this show to do. Because you're all immature swill. <laughs> I'm going to put the mask on the mannequin. And I'm going to play with it a little bit. <laughs> Because I'm a booger. You should be. You should be doing that. Whenever you got it, whenever you get an opportunity to manhandle a mannequin, it is your civic responsibility. Much like be much like putting a cart away at the supermarket, it is your civic duty to put that mannequin into a compromising position. The government was still working to clarify details of the impending stage four lockdown. So I'm very grateful for 
for the patients of Victorians to deal through, work through those issues. Yeah, As businesses prepare issues. for a costly closure, health officials are hoping it will pay dividends. We would hope to see, uh, you know, a reduction of, you know, 30, 40, 50% in the number of cases over, um, you know, the next week or so. But we've already done that. See, this is where you're losing people. Yeah, and I'll have friends of mine. Uh, you know, I, I'm under no disillusion here of what a tiny minority I'm in, and I'm sure you would be too. Left-wing people and right-wing people agree with lockdowns and stuff. I guess, I guess it's when they have no skin in the game. Thank you for coming. I'll see you in hell. But wasn't the whole point of this to flatten the curve? Now, you can watch media reports like... We can watch them here in my state of New South Wales. A state with a conservative government and a federal conservative government, mind you. So forget about this conservatives are better than the other side. They're all in the same bucket of shit right now during this. We can watch a press conference with our state premier talk about that there were 15 cases recorded of coronavirus after 30,000 tests were taken. Now, if people are out there with, you know, even just the slightest bit of education when it comes to statistics and mathematics and whatnot, you would understand that 15 out of 30,000 is a number so infinitesimally small, it, it, would, it would be regarded as statistically irrelevant. Like, it is the same as zero, statistically. 15 out of 30,000. And we get told that this 15 out of 30,000 is the pressing issue. That is the reason why people need to be out of work. This is the reason why people need to be facing financial ruin. To save them, ironically, at the same time. We're saving your life by putting you up against the fucking wall financially. So this is where you're losing people because wasn't the whole point of this, oh, we need to flatten the curve. It's all about flattening the curve. You can't get the curve any flatter. It cannot go any lower. You're talking about 15 people in a state of 7 million people. Oh, well, this just proves that we need to crack down even more. They have become hungry with power, with authority. What What, what is it going to be? How long? Do we have to go a month with zero before we're allowed outside again? Is that, is that the deal here? Because it's going to be a long, 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 long economic winter if that's the case. <laughs> I've got a story later on in the show for you. I, I mentioned it in the Periscope I did earlier. Four out of five small businesses in the United States, ladies and gentlemen, four out of five, 80%, are facing closure by the end of the year if these policies aren't reversed. Just, you can't even fathom the economic destruction that will take place if four out of five small businesses are closed in the next six months. It, it's game over then. You will cease to be a superpower. It's that serious. Semper reloaded with a diamond. Why are his eyes so close together? <laughs> Straight question. I think because he's trying to spot a fly. 
on the end of his nose. You you will cease to be the economic powerhouse that you are you are today if 80% of small businesses close down by the end of the year. That's it. You're done. Over. That cannot be allowed to happen. Let me show you something about small businesses. An Australian article, ladies and gentlemen, an Australian story, a quintessentially Australian story. Don't worry, it'll never happen here. There's a company here called Jim's Mowing, right? Every Australian knows what Jim's Mowing is. And it's quite, it is like a real real Australian story. It started off with one guy and a lawnmower, right? And he slowly, slowly, slowly saved up enough money. And then he got, he hired another guy to mow lawns as well. Winning TV with the diamond, but the lives we are saving. Think of the lives. Yes, think of the lives. They'll have plenty. They'll have plenty of time to think about the lives they're saving when they're sitting around unable to pay for their home. I'm looking forward to that. So, Jim's mowing was started by a guy, uh, Jim Penman, right years ago. He started off mowing lawns on his own. Simple job. Uh, UK Neil, thank you for joining us. UK Neil, dlive.tv slash UK Neil. Pizza Express and many other businesses closing here. Don't worry, it's it's across the board. You know, the great irony of people who support the lockdowns are the same people who say that the corporations have too much power. This is what I was talking about in the Periscope I did earlier today. The same people who are advocating that um, businesses be locked down now in order to save people's lives will be the same ones six months from now bitching, moaning and whining when they walk down Main Street and their favourite wine bar is closed. And, you know, six months from now, after doing everything they can to just hand over all of the economy to the corporations, in six months from now, the same people who are in favour of this will be protesting in the streets against the power of the corporations. We really are at peak stupidity as a society. You know, I mentioned this. Think about the absurdity of the vaccine program, right? (coughs) You might be a Donald Trump supporter. You might be a Donald Trump supporter who's against uh, mandatory vaccinations. You're against Big Pharma. Donald Trump just gave billions of dollars to the pharmaceutical companies to fast track a vaccine. Now, you might be an anti-Trump person, but you're in favour of vaccines. So the guy that you hate is doing a thing that you like, but you're also against the fact that the big pharmaceutical companies have too much power. So the guy that you hate is doing a thing that you like, but is giving too much power to the pharmaceutical companies. It doesn't matter which side you fall on, you end up in the same fucking place. It really is that insane. And people want to have arguments back and forward about, well, like semantic side issues. When all the while, where the rubber meets the road, where the argument is really important, we all end up in the same bucket of shit. It's insanity. So, Jim's mowing. It started off with one guy in a lawnmower. He eventually built his business up. Uh, You know, he hired another guy, and then that two guys turned into four guys, turned into ten guys, and then he franchised his business. So you can buy a Jim's mowing business, right? It's a very small outlay. Uh, it's a very low cost of entry. You you get the you know you get a truck, you get a trailer, 
you get the lawn mowing gear and off you go. They give you an area to service and you're away. Now, over a couple of decades, this has become one of the most successful biz, uh, companies in this country. And it's that now they don't only do mowing, right? There's Jim's plumbing, there's Jim's carpentry, there's Jim's roofing, there's a whole bunch of Jim's. He's created an empire and it started with one guy and a lawnmower. It's a fantastic story. It should be an inspirational story to people. How you can make it, uh, you know, just with hard work, and, you know, respecting customers and doing a good job. One guy mowing a lawn can become the boss of an empire, right? Self-made man. Ring the bell and get your, <laughs> your cheese, man. man. Thank you for the sub, Cabaret. Winning TV with a diamond. Yes, yes, my training is complete. Jim's fucking everything, fascist hippie. Well, this is the problem, right? So in Victoria now... Ring the bell and get your cheese, man. Thank you for the gifted sub, Cabaret. In Victoria now, you're not allowed to leave your own home, even for exercise, if you've tested positive to coronavirus. In Victoria now, they have stage four lockdowns of the economy, which means all non-essential work is banned. And the government of Victoria has declared that lawn mowing is not an essential service. So the gyms franchise owners who themselves are not rich CEOs, right? They're franchisees. They probably paid, you know, they outlaid $10,000 or whatever, and they make, you know, a decent living going around. But, you know, in order to make a living mowing lawns, you have to be able to get your fucking lawnmower out from time to time. You have to be able to travel from lawn to lawn, wherever you are called. So the, the premier has put a stop to this. The owner of Jim's Mowing came out and said, I will pay the fines for any of my franchise owners who get fined. Thank you for the diamond semper reloaded. Do you not have Mexicans? Yes, we call them Victorians. <laughs> Aussie83, you're joking, Boogie Bumper. Jim Co. is a classic give-it-and-go entrepreneur. Yeah, but it started, right? It started from somewhere. That's all I'm saying. So... He's offered to pay the fines of the people who have been caught mowing lawns after the government has declared that their particular business is no longer uh, essential, right? So have a look at this. Jim's Group CEO taking on Victoria Pre Victorian Premier, Premier ugh, pardon me, mushmouth today, Victoria Premier over COVID-19 restrictions. So An army of workers. Their general, one of Melbourne's most recognisable names, on the warpath. There is zero risk in anything we do. We're helping to keep people safe. The Premier yesterday. There'll be no cleaners going to your house, there'll be no one mowing your lawns. But Jim points out the government's own guidelines say building and grounds maintenance permitted to operate. <laughs> We're required to maintain the health and safety of Victorians at home. Well, do you get the feeling sometimes that the government is and, you know, the leaders are making up these rules as they go along? Do you ever get that suspicion? Now, somebody please explain to me how one guy on his own working in a yard 
mowing a lawn is at risk of spreading coronavirus to anyone. Please explain that to me. When the supermarket remains open, when the petrol station remains open, right? This is the absurdity of it. How can it possibly be that somebody mowing your lawn is killing people? It's insane. So this guy, you know, he's done the right thing, I think. He's standing up saying, no, 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 fuck this. I'll pay the fines. I don't care. Just don't think he knew what the guidelines were. He's encouraging his franchisees to be defiant, to keep working if they're fined. I'll pay the fine. Well done. If they're fined, I'll pay it. Now what? (laughs) It's so refreshing. I think he's a fucking hero just for doing that. It's so refreshing to have a business owner, a big business owner like this guy, Jim, to come out and say, you know what? I'll pay it. Fuck him. <laughs> Absolutely sensational. I've told him I would challenge it and I'll pay the fine. If Jim's telling me it's fine and the legal people are telling me it's fine, yes. The Franchise Council says Jim is going too far. Encouraging people to break the rules is absolutely irresponsible. (laughs) Congratulations, Australia. You're so good at following the rules. Yay! Encouraging people to break the rules is so irresponsible. It shouldn't be allowed. The Franchise Union, ladies and gentlemen, mouthing, mouthing the rhetoric of the government. Oh, here you were, here you were thinking that the Franchise Council had your back. (laughs) Nah. (laughs) Uh, Excuse me, I'm a franchise owner and I'll go broke and lose my home if I'm not allowed to mow lawns on my own. For some reason, they're saying that lawn mowing is illegal now. Um, should I be allowed to work? Well, of course not. Encouraging people to break the rules is very irresponsible. <laughs> um, shouldn't you be representing my interest as a franchise owner? Shut up! Shut up, you disgusting, selfish man. Shut up, stay home, and let the grass grow. <laughs> thank, thank you, Franchise Council, for having my back. <laughs> Sole traders like gardener Chad Gilbert are also furious. They can't work and get no special government assistance. It was devastating to hear it. It really was. The reason? The jobs minister on 3AW. What you're saying is you can't afford it. That is, in a nutshell, uh, what I'm saying. No, I wouldn't wouldn't say that. But he did say... Uh, There are other uh, income supplements for those who find themselves... Uh, uh, unable to work. Yeah. Hey, hey, I'm sorry. Small business owner. We're not going to let you earn your own money, but what you can do, don't worry, it's not all bad. What you can do is come to us cap in hand and fucking beg. How about that? Ben K Veritas with a diamond. How dare you try to pay your mountainous bills, scum? (laughs) Hey, are you a small franchise owner working in a suburban in suburban Melbourne? Are you struggling to pay your bills since the government changed the rules with 24 hours notice? 
essentially putting your livelihood and your home and your family at risk of financial ruin with no warning and no precursor whatsoever, then fear not. We're going to ban you from um, owning your own business. We're going to ban you from making your own money. But what you can do is line up at the fucking door, take a number, come to us and plead your case. Plead your case for a little bit of money from us. And I tell you what, if we like you, if we think that you satisfy our requirements, then maybe we'll feed you. Isn't it fucking sick? Isn't it sick? And you know, I'm not I don't, I'm not trying to draw like some hyperbolic comparison here by mentioning this, but it is worth mentioning just out of interest. During the Red Revolution in Soviet Russia back in the nine, what was it, 1914 or thereabouts? The famine that was orchestrated by the Bolsheviks, they did so because, you know, it, there was more of a Christian element to that. They knew that they had to, they were very intelligent people. People have this idea that, you know, commies and lefties and socialists and stuff are dumb. They're not dumb. Some people who may follow them might be very dumb, but they themselves historically have been anything but dumb. Same thing applies on the other side too. You might think that, um, you know, people, conservatives and stuff are dumb. A whole bunch of their followers might be dumb too, but that doesn't mean that they're all dumb. You know, a lot of the, a lot of the big sort of left-wing, hard left-wing thinkers over the 20th century were things like social psychologists and linguists and stuff like that. Very intelligent people who understood the psychology of crowds and how to manipulate it. So they came to a revelation and that was people with a... Because there was a very strong Christian feel like in the regions of Russia which would not join the revolution. And they knew that they had to replace God because for those people, they were never going... They were never going to give in. They were going to fight to the end. They were going to cause problems and they couldn't have that. You know, for a revolution to take hold, everybody has to be on board with it. So they couldn't have this big pocket of resistance from the Christians. Because they wit- they they acknowledged that the Christians will fight for something bigger than themselves. So they had to break that faith. They had to break that spirit in people. So, shit, there is, out- there is life outside Logan, Queensland, Elizabeth, South Australia. Fucking oath. You're living in um, the UK, are you not? I don't, I don't know if there's life in the UK right now. <laughs> Just kidding. I had fun in the UK. I liked it. So they realized that the Christians would fight for something bigger than themselves, and they had to break that. But they had to replace their faith in God with something else. They replaced their faith in God with faith in the state. They orchestrated the famine. At Sussex, well done. They orchestrated the famine, and they said, look, God can't save you, but we can. Just give yourself to us. Give yourself over to our authority and we will feed you. We will clothe you. God isn't coming, but we will, right? And again, I'm not trying to draw a hyperbolic comparison, but look at this. Very progressive government. Even even too progressive for, you know, traditional union labor voters in many cases. This very progressive government the intellectual progressives who have nothing but sheer disdain for the working man, the blue-collar working class. They hate you. To them, you're a redneck. 
you, you know, you're not interested in gender theory, then I'm sorry, you're part of the uneducated redneck swill, but please vote for us anyway. That's the, that's the speech you get every four years with these people. So here you have this very progressive government in the People's Democratic Republic of Victoria openly saying, we are banning you from making your own money in a free economy. We are banning you. You are not allowed to make your own money. Why? Because we say so. Because we have decided that mowing lawns represents an existential threat to everybody. You mowing a lawn may kill 20 million people. You work on your own. You're not interacting with anybody. You're just pushing a fucking lawnmower over grass. Sorry, you're a risk. You're a public health risk now. You're non-essential. Too bad. So sad. But good news. You know, the lawn mowing gig can't save you, but we can. So put the lawnmower away, Jim, and come to us, line up at the door, cap in hand, and tell us a story. Tell us why you think you deserve this money that we're handing out to people. Fill out this form. What an emasculating experience. What a disgusting emasculating experience to have to go through. One day you're a successful self-made man. You're running your own show. You're running your own franchise. Life is fucking good. You're earning your own money. You're paying your taxes. You're putting your kids through school, blah, blah, blah. At the drop of a hat, the government shuts your fucking show down. Shuts it down. And then when you're looking around like, well, I've got bills to pay. I've got to pay back the loan. I've got the mortgage. I've got the kids' school fees. I've got to put food on the table, blah, blah, blah. The same government calls you a selfish bastard for wanting to work in the first place and then says, come to us and beg for your fucking money instead. And by the way, if you don't follow what we say, we'll throw you in prison on top of it. How about that? How do you like that? How do you like that, citizen? Good, isn't it? And these are the people who want to talk to you about having empathy. As I said earlier today, don't talk to me about fucking equality when you advocate treating people like criminals who have broken no law, who have committed no crime. You're putting people under house arrest and they haven't done anything. Innocent people being locked in their own homes with the fucking army walking around outside their front door. Oh, but we're fighting for equality and we're doing this to keep people safe. Imagine how insane, imagine how broken your moral compass must be if you think locking people in their own homes and treating them like criminals is a respectful way of saving their life. Unbelievable. <laughs> this is fantastic. This is uh, Michael Rowland on Twitter. Never, I would never normally point out, you know, somebody on Twitter. I would never normally light up somebody on Twitter, but uh, I think this deserves special mention. Michael Rowland is a host on the ABC, which is the Australian Taxpayer-Funded Media Corporation. Now, you have to take note here that ABC, like hardcore ABC viewers by and large, don't watch anything else except the ABC. They will openly tell you that. Like there's, they'll say that anything but the ABC is like corporate paid for disgusting fake news, right? So they only watch the ABC and they tell you how well informed they are because you don't watch it, right? 
So, <laughs> so the guy who hosts uh, the biggest news program on the Australian taxpayer-funded media arm, the ABC, had this to say on Twitter. This is fantastic. These Remember, these are the people who claim that they speak truth to power. They're very proud of themselves. We speak truth to power. We tell the government what's what. We hold the government's feet to the fire. Have a look at this. <laughs> From the fucking host on the ABC, Victoria Premier Daniel Andrews reiterates Jim's mowing contractors are not permitted workers, so that settles that, I guess. <laughs> oh, that settles that. <laughs> what, just like, that was easy? <laughs> no follow-up questions? Wow. Huh? The taxpayer-funded media, ladies and gentlemen. The ABC, the people who speak truth to power. Daniel Andrews said that Jim's mowing is banned. I guess that settles that then. <laughs> La -da 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 -da. <whistles> Off on our merry way. Time to move on. There's no more questions here to be asked. Hey, hey what about a follow-up question? How about why? That might do. That might be good enough. <laughs> no. No. The government said it, and that's all I need to know. <laughs> Thank you, taxpayer-funded media. That settles that then. <laughs> Fucking the balls on these people. We're standing up for the little guy. We're protecting people. We're sticking up for the little guy. We're fighting for you. We speak truth to power. The government banned me from my job. Oh, well. <laughs> You better do what the government says. That settles that then. Fuck a duck. Let's carry on here. My legal advice is there will be no fines. There will be no bad consequences. And they say, well, what if I'm fined? And I say, okay, then I'll pay the fine. I've just told them that, but it's not going to happen. There's no possible way. We, we, the Premier could solve this in five minutes. The health ministers refuse to actually speak on the subject. Why can't they just tell us what to do? I'm sure you saw that Jim's mowing is keen for his workers and franchisees to keep going ahead. If people go on mow people's lawns, will they be fined? Oh, look, I, I don't. I, I, I saw uh, some reports and some comments from the founder of that business, and I can. From the founder of that business, better not you is use his name, Mr. Premier, huh? <clears throat> I saw some comments from the founder of that business, whoever he is. <laughs> Using that, that's that's like a uh, 101 old school trying to, um, you know, it's like a trying to put power over somebody else, right? They refer to you by your name, but you don't refer to them by theirs. He knows full well who fucking Jim Penman is. He would be getting reports on his fucking desk. Jim Penman said this. Jim Penman said this. The name Jim Penman would be tattooed on his fucking brain, but he has to pretend like it's not a big deal. It's the kind of shit that they teach, you know, executives and stuff when somebody comes into your office to put your hands behind your head and put your feet on the fucking desk when you talk to your underlings so you can show them how much more in control you are than them. Even if you're not. Exactly, fascist hippie. It's an alpha move. It's an attempted alpha move. Well, I saw some... I saw some... I came across some comments from the owner of that company. Right? It's a disrespect thing. No, no, you respect me. I'm the boss. I don't respect you. I can appreciate how difficult this is for him and for his workers. Uh, and uh, I would, I'd simply say that 
Uh, as I said yesterday, uh, if everyone who had an emotional, um, powerful, well-argued case, if I said yes to everybody, then we'd have more people at work in August. See, see the reduction of the argument? Notice how he didn't mention economic. No, no, no. See, he didn't mention scientific, did he? Because he knows the economic argument of shutting down people from earning a living fucking mowing lawns on their own is not sound. And he knows the scientific argument of shutting down people from earning a living mowing lawns on their fucking own when there's no risk of spreading coronavirus is not sound. So what does he do? He simplifies it, he minimizes it, and he strawmans you. And he says, oh, well, you know, what he has there is a very emotional argument. <laughs> like, as if to say, conversely, that he, Daniel Andrews, is providing the logical argument, which is complete and utter bullshit. The bullshit is dribbling down his chin. See, this is this is an education in rhetoric power plays, right? This is what politici- politicians think in this kind of spin. They are trained to do this. They're very good at it. So first of all, he doesn't mention his name because he's not that fucking important. I saw some comments from the guy who owns that company. And then on the second part, he reduces the argument down to, well, you're being very emotional about it. You, and if I agreed to every if, if I agreed to every Tom, Dick and Harry who showed up at my office with some kind of emotional argument, then I'd have to give jobs to everybody, right? Lumping you in with everybody else. Than we had last month. Um, even under stage three, uh, this is this is really tough, uh, and I take no pleasure in having to make these really difficult calls. But difficult. if I don't make these decisions, we won't drive down the number of people moving around the community, and we won't drive down the number of cases. Unbelievable, uh, and indeed the number of people who are dying. It's very difficult. See, see, inverse by you know by contrast, somebody. So somebody working on their own to mow people's lawns is killing people. That's the subtext to what he's saying there. And he's got the audacity to say that the other person's argument is the emotional one. <laughs> How about that? Uh, and I send my best wishes to, to that business and every business. Uh, and, I, and I send my acknowledgement that this is very challenging, but there is no alternative. So uh, well, that's a matter for Victoria Police. Uh, <laughs> no, it's not. No, it's not, Daniel. See the gutlessness here, the cowardice? So if you didn't hear it, the reporter asked, will they be fined? And this guy says, well, that's up to the police. No, it's not, Daniel. You're the one who told the police to find people. You piece of shit. Remember, I've said to you before, politicians love taking responsibility. Politicians love taking credit for good stuff when they don't do it, and they pretend like they have no responsibility for the bad stuff when they do do it. That's politics 101. So Daniel Andrews comes out. His government comes out and says, we we want to fine people $5,000 if they're outside doing this particular activity. He directly gets asked the question by the reporter in the press conference. Will you be finding people who are doing this activity? And he says, well, it's not up to me. It's up to the police, you know. (laughs) No, Daniel, it's your fucking rule. 
The police are enforcing the rules that you put on the books, not the other way around. Holy shit. And again, because the media is more concerned with rubbing his inner thigh than actually asking relevant questions. I mean, again, if we can just refer back here to the ABC reporter, Daniel Andrews reiterates Jim mowing contractors are not permitted workers. So that settles that, I guess. (laughs) That settles that. Because they're more concerned with, you know, stroking this guy's ego and telling him what a fucking saint he is than actually getting to the crux of the issue. (laughs) So are you going to be finding them? No, no, that's up to the police. No, Daniel, it's up to you. You're the one who put that fucking law out there. You're the one who put the rule there for the police to enforce, you tit. No, those, they're not permitted. They are not permitted workers. They are not permitted workers. Permitted permitted workers. The language is sickening. They are providing emergency, uh, urgent work. So, for instance, if a tree fell, then they might be able to go and do that work. But I'm afraid uh, lawns are not getting mowed. Uh, People are not getting haircuts. Uh, We're all making sacrifices. I'm not not in any way uh, wanting to uh, diminish the pain Mm. and, and challenge. You'd be getting a haircut, though, wouldn't you, mate? The gardeners would still be working the grounds at the Premier's estate, wouldn't they, sir? Huh? Look like you've had a fucking trim recently there, brother. Looking good, Dan. For that business and that and that and those workers. Uh, but again, this is pretty simple in many respects. Too simple. If we just go on business as usual, if we continue to see the same number of people going to work, or even more, across the Victorian economy, and particularly in metropolitan Melbourne, then we look at the fucking. I've just noticed it too. Look at the look at the ridiculous slogan behind him. Staying apart keeps us together. <laughs> us, we're in this together. We're all in this together, guys. Yeah, I'm banning the average blue collar person from earning a living, but hey, I'm I'm just like you. I'm in this with you. We're all in this together. We're all on the same team here. And hey, if you don't follow the ridiculous rules, if you don't follow the bullshit rules that I'm ramming down people's throats, like people who mow lawns are going to be responsible for killing people by the very fact that they're outside mowing lawns, if you don't stick around with that, then you're trying to divide us. Remember what I was talking about at the start of the show with division and unity and all that shit? They're trying to divide us, guys. I haven't had my grey dyed in over four months. Uh, thank you for the diamond, Gypsy. Where did you steal the diamond, Gypsy? Who did you steal the diamond from, Gypsy? We will not pull these numbers up. They will continue to grow. Uh, they'll become completely unmanageable. Uh, and we will continue to see many, many people die. There's just there no choice. Go. If there was, of course, if there was a different choice, then we would make that choice. How about you try fucking harder then? Try harder. Because not just to me, but to many people, if the only option you have is to financially ruin people and tear up basic civil rights and civil liberties and personal freedoms, then that's not the option. 
oh, we have no choice but to destroy the economy and take a big steaming dump over your individual rights. That's the only choice we have. Sorry. And it's amazing how many people just jump on board with it. Because people are like, well, what are we supposed to do? I'm like, here's the real question for you, right? This is what it really exposes. Look at what it took for you to swallow that big corporation, big government cock. Look at all it took for you to hand over your freedom and your personal liberty. All it took was the risk of getting sick and you were fucking lining up to give your freedom away. That's it. But you're, you want to act like the smart one. Oh, yes, I'm the smart one. I'm following the rules. Good for you. Because it's easier being on the side of the jailer than the jailed, isn't it? And all it took was somebody saying, hey, you might get sick. And you were like, here, have my freedom. Take it away from me. I don't need it anymore. I have you. Take my job away. I don't need it anymore. You're going to give me money. Thank you. Take my employment status, take my income and take my civil rights because I might get sick otherwise. And, you know, you, people like that want to talk about how they're fighting, they're resisting, they're fighting for equal rights, they're fighting for equality, they want a revolution, yada, 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 bullshit. The first, the first teeny tiny little part of a bit of resistance that you got, the risk of getting sick and you fucking folded like cheap laundry. You folded like that. That was good enough for you. So with that, ladies and gentlemen, we're going to take a quick break here on the Daily Boogie podcast. Thank you so much for joining us. Uh, after the break, when we come back, uh, why you should be fined for eating a curry and we'll also check in with the next president of the United States and his future love interest, ladies and gentlemen, Toddles 2020. So stick around. I'll be back in five. You're listening to the Daily Boogie podcast on a Wednesday night. your novelty comedy songs organic handmade with painstaking care put into every note well look no further than irrational times using only the finest instruments to create an experience that your ears will thank you for later irrational times attempts to elevate the whimsy to a desirable level new songs and sketches every week so check it out. Idiot booty bumper. 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 Really giving that one a workout? Come on. Dlive.tv slash JJ Stone. And we love JJ here on the show. It's the J.J. Stoner Spring Collection, the perfect attire for any and every occasion you can think of this season. Like we were in the mosh pit full of sweat and everyone slapping, hitting, and pulling on you. 
this shit won't rip. Lunch at your favorite cafe? Brunch with the girls? These stylish ensembles will give you the confidence you need to look and feel your best. Or if you're getting arrested for possession, it comes with a built-in police stick-proof body armor. Keep swinging, pigs! Call now and your order will come with a complimentary ounce of that dankest bubblegum slur cane that the South has to offer. Don't forget the wall tapestry! If you need to cover your wall, it works! Inverted, narcissistic, and most importantly, completely pointless. Come waste an hour of your week with The Starting Block, Friday nights Australian time at dlive.tv forward slash The Starting Block. Get in touch with us on Twitter at The Starting Block, no K at the end. Also, subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts or iTunes by searching for The Starting Block, all one word, or on Podbean at startingblock.podbean.com. Join the Blockheads, tuning in in their millions right around the world. Hello, my name is Frozen Asian, and I like to tell you about my show, The Sunday Night Shit Show, every Sunday night at 10 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, along with the good conversations and laughing at funny and weird shit we find on the internet. We also have The Hat Cam, where I showcase my myriad of great-looking hats. Here is a testimonial from a great friend of mine who has enjoyed my hats lately. Hi. I hope your next hat is a bullet. Jesus Christ, what are you, fucking Asian dick crazy? <laughs> you. <laughs> you have to ruin my evening. Like, I, I'm just going to just listen, you know, listen to my bud do their show. And you, you got to, you just got to do this. without the hat. So you're not enjoying it? No. <laughs> Dude, Asian oh, come dick on, Tracy. really enjoy it. You look no. like you're going undercover <laughs> in, in Argentina, but it's not working. I hate you. <laughs> I hate you. I oh, come on, you secretly love it. No, no, I openly hate it. <laughs> <laughs> and there you have it. Uh, so. Subscribe to the Sunday Night Shit Show at youtube.com slash Sunday Night Shit Show. And uh, hope to see you there on Sunday nights. Bye. The world is a terrible place, full of terrible people doing terrible things. Thankfully, there's a weekly live stream that doesn't sugarcoat it for you. Join Major Tom Saturdays at 10 p.m. for The Big Empty. That's Major underscore Tom on DLive. Make sure to use zeros for O's because your life really is that hard. Hi, Patriots. This is your favorite Southerner, Doc Martin. Just wanted to remind you to put on your calendars to join me and your favorite near-to-wheel Yankee, Bill D'Angelo, on Saturday nights, beginning with Promises Kept at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, followed by The Speakeasy with all of your favorite Patriots. You never know what we might cuss and discuss. That's right, Doc Martin. This is everybody's favorite Yankee, Phil D'Angelo speaking. And on Saturday night, we could have Kimmy, wise censored, affectionately known as Electrolux, the original grandma, UK Neil, Rusty, and his famous sound test show, Coffee Talk with Sandra, Earth Citizen, Stefan, the infamous grandma Sears, Mac Daddy may even make a show up, or virtually anyone else in the world for some irrelevant fun. 
Thank you, you mean some irreverent fun. So be sure to join us on Twitch, Periscope, DLive, or YouTube. That's right, Doc. Follow us at Winning TV on all of those channels. So be sure and put it on your calendar. We'll be looking for you. We'll leave the porch light on. I still think it's irrelevant fun. But why are you fumble for coins when you'll have a heavy bag? <laughs> There's a place that we can go to watch old things. All the warm, fuzzy member berries it brings. It's a special little spot tucked away on D-Live. Enjoy the joy of Pessie. Can't be old movies and old cartoons. We hope to see you over there very soon. It's our special little spot tucked away on D-Live. Enjoy the joy of Pessie. When we were kids and there wasn't any school We'd sit and watch all the best cartoons Eating cereal until it was noon We never thought that 30 years later It'd still be cool Saturday night and cheesy movies The ones that used to show us boobies It's our special little spot tucked away on delight Enjoy the joy of Pessy. Enjoy the joy of Pessy. Enjoy the joy of Pessy. This Justin, the global officials that can help all, also known as Got You, have now banned all boogieing and boogie-related movements worldwide. Public safety is the main concern, they say. And people are reminded that boogieing is contagious. Anyone caught boogieing will be dealt with in the harshest terms police have reported. More right around this world can get you down. There's just one thing you can do. You gotta get back up and shake it all around. No one's gonna tell me how I'm gonna boogie. Come on, everybody boogie puppet tonight. No one's gonna tell me how I'm gonna boogie. Come on, everybody boogie bumper tonight. No one's gonna tell me how to boogie. Come on, everybody boogie bumper tonight. Coming back. Second half of the show, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, thank you for joining us. Wednesday night edition of the Daily Boogie Podcast, right here. Um, tell you what. Before we get to toddles, before we get to our man, our boy. Our future, the future leader of the free world, God willing. One can only fucking hope. I do have one little quick story for you, so let's get right into it. Touching on the things that we were touching on in the first half of the show. Um, <laughs> now, this is from a program in Australia called A Current Affair. A Current Affair is generally the stomping ground of the angry single mother complaining about the price of groceries and the angry pensioner who gets into fights with people who live next door. We've covered a few A Current Affair clips, and they're often very funny. So I, I haven't pre-watched this one yet, but the title of this one alone was enough to say, let's put it straight into the show. Let's going straight into the show prep folder. The title of this video is Late Night Curry Craving Ends in Whopping Lockdown Fine. So let's have a look at this. <laughs> one can only imagine the horrors that are about to befoul us. Welcome back. It was the most expensive meal Noel never had. The peckish tradie broke lockdown to grab some butter chicken, but instead was served a huge fine. 
disgusting. Disgusting. <laughs> the hard-working tradie. After a long day's work, heads out for some butter chicken. <laughs> Gets a fine. See, there are a lot of things that we'll tolerate in this country. We are, I've, I've said this before, the thing that makes Australians so good is also our biggest downfall. We are so laid back that really we'll let anybody fuck us over. Really. Government, corporations, whatever. Because our general attitude to life is, eh, what are you going to do? <laughs> so it makes us very easy to get along with, right? It makes us very nice people. As, as a people, as a community, as a civilization. Australians are very easygoing, very laid back, which is great. But when it comes to dealing with government and getting screwed by the rules, it's also our biggest downfall. Because like, yeah, don't worry about it. She'll be exactly, no worries, mate. <laughs> She'll be right, mate. She'll be apples. Don't worry about it. <laughs> but with that being said, there are things that are sacred cows to us. There are things that are untouchable. One is beer, obviously. Two is probably the barbecue. And three is being able to get that late night snack after an afternoon on the Terps. Whether it's a kebab, whether it's a battered seven chips, or whether it's a fucking curry. A late night curry. <laughs> so let's have a look. Don't you dare get in the way of a hardworking man's fucking mouth and his curry. Welcome back. It was the most expensive meal Noel never had. The peckish tradie broke lockdown to grab some butter chicken, but instead was served a huge fine. Ooh! Wearing his mask. Just the smell of curry just yeah, takes me back home. It's yeah, more than just a dish. It's a good but looking. No, I've got to admit, it's a good, it's a good looking fucking curry he's got there too. <laughs> How are you going to deny the man the pleasures of a curry served in a plastic container like that, huh? It was a dish that got him into a lot of trouble. During Victoria's stay-at-home order, his late-night hankering for buttered chicken cost him a massive fine. $1,650. For a bowl of fucking curry. Don't worry, we're saving people's lives. Exactly, Cabaret. Look at this inconsiderate savage. <laughs> Look at this selfish asshole. Think about it, sir. Every time you sit down to a bowl of butter chicken, you're putting lives at risk. Oh, get the fuck out of here. Shut the fuck up. <laughs> My curry is killing people. Go fuck your mother. Get the hell out of here. Two dollars. It's a bit hefty, yeah. I'm going to contest it. I'll have my day in court and hopefully I can get the, the magistrate to waive the fine. The, <laughs> the little Indian music overlay. <laughs> when Trady had finished his shift late on a Saturday night. Say, working on a Saturday as well. See... If you're if you're working like long shifts on the weekend, you should have special uh, dispensation from the government. You should be exempt from any kind of curry conformity, right? You should be exempt from any kind of ridiculous draconian curry law. If I finish at like nine o'clock at night on a Saturday, 
I, if I want a curry, I'm fucking having a curry. Fuck you. <laughs> if I want a curry and a six pack when I get home, that is my fucking goddamn human right to do so. If someone's willing to make a curry and I'm willing to pay for the curry, I'm taking the fucking curry. I've said before, like in terms of multiculturalism, right? Because people, when they talk about, oh, multiculturalism is such a good thing. The one thing that they always refer to is food. Like that's really the only argument that you ever get as to why we need multiculturalism as a political philosophy, as an overwhelming political philosophy that covers all other ideologies. Multicultural, got to have diversity, got to have multiculturalism, right? And you'll say, well, why is it such a good idea? And they say, because I can go to the Indian restaurant. Because in their mind, right, you can't have Indian food unless you import fucking thousands of Indians, apparently. You can't have Chinese food unless you bring people from China. These people have never heard of a cookbook. <laughs> See, books can travel books can travel around the world and have done for thousands of years but no no we need an authentic chinese man to make our kung pao fucking chicken you know what i mean otherwise it's just not real chinese so they always point to well i love my china i love my local thai restaurant that's why we need multiculturalism and i've said if you want to end multiculturalism then all you have to do is attack the food by that i mean when people start saying that eating Chinese food or eating Indian food or whatever is cultural appropriation, like white people aren't allowed to eat that food, multiculturalism as a ideology will cease to fucking exist at that very moment. Because the food is really the only thing that's binding the multiculturalists to, to it's the only thing wedding them to the ideology in the first place. So if you take that away, the whole system comes crashing down to the ground. <laughs> Trust me. So, in the spirit of multiculturalism and progress, if I, an Australian worker, working overtime on a Saturday to pay the bills, working a late shift, if I get home at 9 o'clock at night and want to eat a fucking butter chicken curry, then goddammit, I will do so. Because I'm free to eat what I want. Any old time. His local Indian was closed, so he drove more than 30 kilometres from the southwestern wow. suburbs into the CBD to curb his craving for butter chicken. <laughs> now, now, see, he's a dedicated curry enthusiast. 30 clicks down the road. He drove into the city to get a fucking bowl of curry. <laughs> I love this man. This guy's my fucking hero. 30 Ks down the highway. That's like driving across counties <laughs> to get a bowl of fucking curry. Exactly, Aussie 83. Nothing would stop me getting a six pack of Coopers. Nothing. <laughs> I will break through brick walls. <laughs> Fuck you. Arrest me then, faggot. <laughs> I'm getting that fucking curry. I'm getting that beer. Take me to jail. You're not stopping me. You're going to have to put bullets in me to stop me getting this curry. Especially at 9 o'clock on a Saturday night. Noel says he thought he could leave his house for food. The rules aren't specific. They need to be more black and white, not grey. There's too much grey area 
I travel over 100 k's every day for work, so 30 k's to the CBD is like a hop, skip, and a jump to me. There you go. Put simply, the 48-year-old broke lockdown laws. You fuckers! I, I was. If I knew I was, I wouldn't have done it. Like I would have stayed at home. But uh, wait, how how exactly did he get the fine? Like, how did he get the ticket? How did he? How did they know? How did the police know that he travelled this far to get a bowl of curry? That's scary, isn't it? Like, my first question to the police officer would be like, why do you care where I get my dinner? Why do you give a fuck? It's none of your, where are you going for dinner tonight, sir? None of your fucking business. Fuck off. Right? That should be, that should be the, the only appropriate answer. Where are you going for food? None of your fucking business. Going where I want for food. Thank you. How did they know that he travelled 30 kilometres to get a bowl of curry? Uh, yeah. He... And I like I like that he was talking about, oh, the rules are too much grey area, there's too much ambiguousness here. Sorry, Noel, champion, tradie Noel, they're designed that way. They're supposed to be ambiguous. They're designed to be vague and ambiguous so nobody understands them. It's very simple because... If you have a hard and fast rule with clear lines, people will look for loopholes to break that rule. People will look for ways around the rule. But if you keep a rule ambiguous and vague, then people will operate within themselves because they don't know where the line is. So they make the rules ambiguous because people will act well within them. If they make the rule clear like they should, then people will look for ways around it. It's psychology. You know, if people, if you put, if you put lines every 10 metres, right, on the ground and say at 100 metres, there's a cliff and you'll fall off, then people will walk up 99 metres. But if you say to people, there's a cliff, but we're not going to tell you where it is, people won't even step onto the field. You see my point here? When the line is obvious, people will go right up to the line. When people don't know where the line is, they won't, they'll barely take a step. Because they don't want to get pinned. Because they don't know where the line is. So, you know, we can complain about the rules being vague and ambiguous and whatnot. They are designed that way so people can persecute you when it suits them. So you can be targeted when somebody decides. Because people who make a lot of money, legal types and whatnot, will come up with ways to interpret vague rules to fuck you in the ass. If the rule is clear and obvious, they can't do that. They don't have the power. Cabaret with a diamond. Ambiguous rules equals ambiguous enforcement standards. 100%. Bang on the money. Gave me a $1,652 fine. I mean, it's the same with YouTube. It's the same with social media platforms, right? Oh, we, we ban hate speech. Well, what is hate speech? Well, you know, got to keep, we've got to keep it vague and ambiguous because if we come up with a list of words and say, you can't say this, you can't say these things, then people will look for ways around it. If you just put everything under the uh, ambiguous banner of hate speech, then people will be like, well, can I say this? I don't know. I better not say anything, right? And told me to go straight home. And he was made an example of his bad behaviour called out publicly. People need to exercise good judgment. What? Don't be going outside your local community what? unless you absolutely need to. 
you brought Oh <laughs> The fucking Premier was talking about this poor guy and his curry. The Premier, with all the power of the government, all the power of the police, all the power of the authorities, fining people, shutting down businesses, shutting down employment, throwing people in prison. And all you want is a all you want is a fucking butter chicken. Hey, look, man, I'm just a I'm just a hardworking I'm just a hardworking fucking guy. I'm just a hardworking guy. I worked a late shift on Saturday. I just want a bowl of fucking curry, man. No, we're gonna make an example out of you. Fucking selfish piece of shit. It's awful. Isn't it? It's disgusting what's being allowed to take place here. And he was made an example of his bad behaviour called out publicly. People need to exercise good judgment. Don't be going outside your local community unless you absolutely <laughs> need to. You broke the rules, you pay the fine. It's as simple as that. Well, it's I'm as simple now. as that. But, yeah, it was wrong. <laughs> I think everyone else is too. We do not agree with the fact that anybody should be travelling 30 kilometres to get their food. Amit Tutajaya runs Desi Daba, the Indian restaurant Noel was driving to. So the guy who runs the restaurant that he bought the curry at has also thrown him under the bus. Oh. Oh, you piece of shit. <laughs> How about that? This guy's curry is so fucking good, apparently, that people are willing to, to drive across the fucking city to get it. And when somebody, like, if that was, if I owned that curry place, I wouldn't say that. I'd say I understand completely why this guy wanted to come all this way for my curry because it's so fucking good. <laughs> what an idiot. He's just missed a perfectly, a perfectly good opportunity here. Of course people drive across the country to get my curry. It's amazing. How can I be angry at that? No, we don't recommend people. We don't recommend people from outside our suburb come and get my food. Uh, <laughs> hello, hello. <laughs> no curry for you. <laughs> oh. There are local restaurants they should be getting the food from, but we feel special that ah. he chose our butter chicken. They're, they're, okay, okay. He redeemed himself. All right, he redeemed himself. We feel special. <laughs> So you should. Over anyone else's. As a thank you for his loyal support, Ahmed has offered Noel a year's worth of free butter chicken. I take it all back. <laughs> I take everything back. I'm sorry, Noel. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, curry man. Okay. That's shit. See how quickly public opinion can turn on this show? <laughs> Two minutes ago, he was a piece of shit. <laughs> I take it all back. Now he's given this guy a year's supply of, but of butter chicken. A year's supply of curry. What a fucking legend. <laughs> exactly. Legendary. Well done. Well, we, so, we certainly don't endorse people traveling 30 kilometers to get curry. But I tell you what, if you're willing to risk imprisonment, travel 30 kilometers to get my curry, we'll feed you for a fucking year. <laughs> Genius. Cabaret in the chat. That fucking curry looks amazing, doesn't it? I'm not even a big curry guy. I'm not even a big curry eater. But I feel like I would just fucking smash my face into that. and <laughs> I would motorboat that curry. Have a look at it. Beautiful color. 
No wonder he travelled across the city and risked, in, risked imprisonment for it. We feel special that he chose our butter chicken over anyone else's. Over As a anyone thank else's. you for his loyal support, Ahmed has offered Noel a year's worth of free butter chicken. Look, Fuck once I the know. lockdown is over, he's more than welcome to come in and eat in the restaurant. Until then, I'm really happy to deliver it to him. Or he can, you know, do a... He's even going to deliver the free curry 30 fucking kilometres. Wow. I need to get this guy on a show and tell him what an absolute legend he is. <laughs> we are happy to deliver it. We will deliver the curry for free. Free curry delivered for a year. What an absolute beast. What well, the free butter chicken? Look, once the lockdown is over, he's more than welcome to come in and eat in the restaurant. Until then, I'm really happy to deliver it to him. Or he can, you know, do a takeaway pickup like any other customer from the Tarnit restaurant. The restaurant has also expanded their delivery routes, saying, don't risk a fine, we'll deliver butter chicken, that's divine. <laughs> Based curry legend. Can we get a sticker of this guy, please? Please, Teddy, uh, is somebody able to make stickers? Can we please get a sticker of this man? <laughs> Based curry legend. We need to add this guy to our stickers for the channel. <laughs> Based curry guy. <laughs> what an absolute legend. And so, so now he's like, he's a genius. I, I had him all wrong. He's an absolute genius. He's using the fine as a marketing tool. And Teddy's like, I don't know. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> Oh, that's right. You can't make stickers anymore, can you? I have to. I'll, I'll have to figure out how to make a sticker. Stop asking for stickers. We can't make anymore. I don't. I don't know how to make them. I guess I should do some homework. Um, if I cut it, you have to upload it. Okay. I tell you what. Here's a deal. If you cut the curry guy and send it to me, then I'll upload one of yours as well. How about that? One for one. Breaking my heart. <laughs> Coffee talk with Sandra with a diamond. Do it. You can do it. All right, I'll try and figure it out. Until then, I'm happy. I'm happy to barter. I'm happy to bargain here, one for one. But we we do definitely need based curry man uh, as a sticker in the channel. So, <laughs> so he's using the fine that the police handed out to this guy as a marketing tool. Look at this. Don't risk a fine. We'll deliver butter chicken. That's divine. He's a fucking genius. I love this guy. See, there's always hope, isn't there? Based curry man. There's always hope. So in the first half of the show, we were talking about the government screwing, you know, hardworking blue collar people in the ass, destroying their businesses. And here's based curry man. <laughs> He's not content to put up with that. He rewards his customers for breaking the rules. His customer is so dedicated he broke the rules. He's going to give him free fucking curry. What do you think of that, Daniel Andrews? What do you think of that, Premier? Huh? <laughs> free curry for the rules breakers. I love it. Based curry, man. And eat in the restaurant. Until then, I'm really happy to deliver it to him. 
or he can, you know, do a takeaway pickup like any other customer from the Tarnit restaurant. The restaurant has also expanded their delivery routes, saying, don't risk a fine, we'll deliver butter chicken, that's divine. Well, it's appreciative, <laughs> that's for sure. Like, and it made the fine a little bit easier to swallow. I bet. The butter chicken man made headlines around the world. Yeah, it's embarrassing. But... <laughs> butter chicken man made headlines around the world. <laughs> The only time that the only time that foreigners want to talk about Australians is when they're mentioning kangaroos or how much we drink or how much we eat. That's it. That's all they want to talk about. Based curry man made the you know, somebody in Australia could cure cancer and people in the UK and the States would go, yeah, whatever. Did you hear about the guy who drove 30 kilometers for a curry? <laughs> Wouldn't even matter. Did you hear about the based curry guy in Melbourne? He's amazing. Yeah, yeah, wait. We just we just made uh we just made a guy who had his neck injured. He's been a quadriplegic for 40 years. He's walking again now, thanks to Australian scientists. Yeah, but did he walk to get himself a curry? Like the curry guy? Did you hear about the curry? <laughs> Tell me about the curry. Do y'all put kangaroo do y'all put kangaroos in your curry? <laughs> okay. Yeah, yeah, kangaroos, beer, curry, got it. Whatever. <laughs> that's that's all we got going for us. <laughs> Damn. Oh, it is what it is. It's not just hearsay. They do find you. Yeah, so, yeah, I'll tell my friends as well, don't flaunt the rules. <laughs> I don't think Curry there's in a hurry. excuse at this stage of the journey to not be aware of the rules, and he must have known the rules. I can only think he was so tired that he wasn't making good decisions. Oh, thank you, Teddy. Teddy's going to post the clips and the memes in the Discord. Well done. So we're getting based Curry Man sticker on the channel. Thank you so much, Teddy. You're an absolute legend. It's at 11 o'clock at night. Curry! Get your curry! Coffee Talk with Sandra with a diamond. DD Dunleavy is a broadcaster with 3AW Radio. Oh, here we go. I'd let it go, mate. I, I think um, that you know you broke the rules. There's a lot of explanation going on, which I just don't find. Oh, this pompous, arrogant bitch. She's a radio personality. I would let it go, mate. <laughs> You've obviously never had a good curry then. I feel sorry for you. I feel sorry for this cunt. <laughs> You'd let it go? Well, then you've obviously never had a bowl from Based Curry Man. Because anybody who has had a bowl from Based Curry Man, anybody who's enjoyed a butter chicken down at the Based Curry Man shop knows that it's impossible to let it go, sweetheart. Get some fucking perspective. <laughs> she doesn't know what she's talking about. She looks like a meat and three veg kind of girl every single night. Yeah, so, yeah, I'll tell my friends as well, don't flaunt the rules. <laughs> I don't think there's any excuse at this stage of the journey to not be aware of the rules. And uh, you must uh, know uh, the rules. I can only the think rules. So Congratulations, Australia. You're so good at following the rules. It's no excuse for not following the rules. You need to know the rules. <laughs> That's my bitchy Karen voice. Well done, Australia. You're so good at following the rules. Tired that he wasn't making good decisions at 11 o'clock at night. DD Dunleavy <laughs> is... <laughs> ...the broadcaster with 3AW Radio. I'd let it go, mate. I, I think... 
mate. <laughs> You're not my mate, bitch. Okay? You've never had a curry. Um, that you know you broke the rules. There's a lot of explanation going on, which I just don't buy. A tough Again, lesson. you don't understand the explanation because you've never met base curry man. <laughs> never seen him before. Never heard of him, have you? See, here on this show, on this program... We celebrate our heroes. We celebrate our heroes. We even celebrate our immigrant heroes like Base Curry Man. Because Base Curry Man has he he's more Australian than you, sweetheart. See, she would be one of these people. This this Sheila here. She would be she she would be one of these people who constantly talks about on her radio show, oh, Australian values, right? These are Australian values. It's un-Australian, blah, blah, blah. F- waving flags, etc., etc., etc. And yet she wants to talk about Australian values, yet she has no spirit of rebellion. We are a country of fucking criminals and convicts. It is in our nature to have a deep, deep aversion to authority. It is in our fucking DNA. It is also in our DNA to travel long distances for good food. <laughs> that is there, is, there is nothing more Australian than that. You have to travel a long distance to do anything in this country. It's a big country. So flouting the rules, traveling long distances for a nice bowl of fucking butter chicken is exactly the kind of Australian that we want. Not the one who sits at home and complains about a curry that she's never had and people breaking the rules. There's no excuse for not knowing the rules anymore. Sorry. Based curry man disagrees. <laughs> look at that look on base curry man. <laughs> base curry man knows. Base curry man is more Australian than you will ever be, my, my sweetheart, my darling. You just don't get it. The excuse at this stage of the journey to not be aware of the rules and he must have known the rules. I can only think he was so tired that he wasn't making good decisions at 11 o'clock at night. DD Dunleavy is a broadcaster with 3AW Radio. DD. I'd let it go, mate. I, I think let it go, um, mate. that you know you broke the rules. There's a lot of explanation going on, which I just don't buy. A tough lesson learnt. 100%. Noel, do not do that again. Yeah, go to work. <laughs> Yeah, stay home. There you go. Well, it was actually a feel-good story at the end of it. Well done. Here he is one more time. Based curry man. Our our daily boogie hero of the week. Winning TV with a diamond. Saving lives is more important than your curry. Definitely not. Definitely not. All right, let's go to it. Speaking of good news stories, ladies and gentlemen, we've got a Toddles double up. First of all, let's let's review Toddles' latest. If you're not familiar with who Toddles is, we've been following him for a few months now. He is a guy who lives in his mother's house. He's not allowed to... He does a little cooking show, but he's not allowed to use the oven because his mother says he makes too much mess. He's in his mid to late 40s, I can only imagine. And he always does live streams shirtless, sweating, drinking warm beer. He's running for president. 
So we've been tracking the presidential campaign of Toddles, uh, giving him some pointers, giving him some tips as, you know, a politically aware audience that we are here on the Daily Boogie program. Because we believe in Toddles. He's got some killer ideas. One of Toddles, you know, primary promises for the, the upcoming election, <clears throat> his solution to reducing the prison population is to get rid of the police. Just get rid of them all. He's a uh, kitty bee in the chat. He's also not allowed to use flour. <laughs> Too messy. You know, you get flour on your sweatshirt, uh, you'll never get it off. And can you imagine flour sticking to that uh, soggy back of his, that soggy, hairy back? Oh, oh God. <laughs> It'll just clump up as soon as it hits his skin. <laughs> Turn into like little pellets of powder that you can throw around a room. Fantastic, Toddles. is a strong populist platform. So he, be he believes that if he gets rid of the police, if he bans the police, then there'll be no more arrests and therefore, if there's no more arrests, then nobody else will go to prison. It's a genius ploy. It's simple but effective. He has a slogan, make America huge. <laughs> make America huge. So it's time we check in with Toddles once again to see what's happening on the campaign trail, which is being conducted entirely within the confines of his own upstairs, one can only imagine, very, very humid bedroom. Let's have a look. What do we got, Toddles? Thank you for coming. As president of this great nation, I will not mislead the people. Whenever he runs for president, he always wears a shirt at least. Have you noticed that? He, he does dress up when he makes his little campaign speeches. I think, to be fair, the voters want to see the real Toddles. They want to see the raw Toddles. They want to see the ungroomed Toddles. He should be giving his presidential speeches shirtless and sweating like every other live stream that he does. I think anyway, personally, because we want to have an intimate relationship with Toddles. Cabaret is uh, Cabaret is Toddles' personal slogan manager. No violent wars unless Toddles 2020. <laughs> As president of this great nation, I will not mislead the people. I will not mislead the people. Good. It's my microphone here. And better off. <laughs> we are. We are 18 seconds into the speech. Line. <laughs> As president, I will not mislead the people. I will not mislead the people. Um. Line. <laughs> he got 18 seconds in before he forgot what he was talking about. <laughs> he repeated the same slogan twice and then said, this is my microphone. And then, he, and then he's lost. He's got nothing. See, a big part of running for office is being able to think on your feet, being able to fill the air with words. And better off... <laughs> time for time for a sip of beer. Twenty seconds into the clip, a sip of beer will get the old brain get the old brain cells percolating again. As a president, <laughs> oh. 
So the clip is 30 seconds old. Half of only half of the clip has contained speech. <laughs> the other half is just standing around looking away from the camera and picking up a beer. So my microphone here. And better off. And and that fan, that fucking <laughs> that fucking room fan that goes constantly. The hum you can hear in the background isn't coming from me. It's coming from Toddle's audio. Because he puts his camera and his microphone right next to a fan. So all you can hear is... <laughs> it's very low key. As a president... Cabaret in the chat. His unbuttoned cuffs scream relaxed energy. <laughs> I support foreign leaders. Nice. Take a swig of the fucking good stuff. <laughs> See, this is why we like Toddles. This is why we want to elect him. Look at that. 40 seconds into the speech, already taken a swig of suds. He's a man's man. <clears throat> Iceman double four double three with the diamond. Toddles is much more believable than Biden. <laughs> dragons. He's drinking dragon's milk for that bottled dragon energy. Uphill challenges. Uphill challenges. Yep. And be impeccable. Uh, look up the word impetuous. I don't know impetuous, <laughs> but I'll be. Toddles, if that's your microphone, hold it close to your mouth, buddy. Toddles, as your media and campaign manager, I must stress that the whole point of having a microphone is to have it somewhere near the mouth. You see, you see how this works? See, I have a microphone that's right here. Now, if I go over here and talk like this, when I run for president, uh, challenges, challenges and uh and i'm president this this here is my microphone over here but i'm gonna hold it over here anyway you see you see how this works i'm just gonna hold it over here so you the microphone really does need to be in the vicinity of the place where the sounds come out whatever orifice that may be at the time extremely swell in my job swell i'm gonna be, i'm gonna i'm gonna do swell guys i'm gonna do extremely swell I'll redeem the human race. Again, he's holding the beer up to the camera. What is this about? Well, in my job as a president. <laughs> See, his sponsor. See, people, if, if it's okay for Donald Trump to put Goya beans on show, then surely it's okay for Toddles to put dragon's milk front and center, right? I mean, you can't be against one and for the other. And hey, he's more base than Trump. Trump was flogging, Trump was selling some fucking Mexican bean fucking manufacturer. Who gives a fuck about that? What happened to what happened to America first? He's <laughs> he's selling Mexican beer. At least at least Toddles is selling he's selling Mexican beans. At least Toddles is selling beer. I'll redeem base totals. Race. 
uplift dignity, uphold the law. Yep. Have class. He has class. And supreme integrity. Supreme integrity. One nation, justice for all. One nation and justice for all. No mention of God. Interesting. Freedom of speech, religion. Yep. The right to bear arms. Yeah. Respect the Bible. Respect your parents. Respect your parents, kids. Make mothers the most important figure as a president. Yeah. This is interesting. This is worth analyzing. He specifically singled out the mothers. He said, I will make the mothers the most important family figure as president. Just a quick reminder, Toddles lives with his mother. We're not sure if she's still alive or not. Toddles lives with, lives with his mother and he, he lives, he practices what he preaches. This is what I'm getting at here. He actually means what he says because he still doesn't use the oven in the kitchen because his mother says so, a grown man. So he really does respect his mother to the point where most he respects her so much to the point where most, I, I suspect, atheist, um, hateful, bigoted people would say that it's some it's a kind of a problem to respect your mother that much. When you're getting close to 50 and still don't cook in the kitchen because she won't let you, right? Some may say that's a level of respect too high for a grown man, but... Toddles practices what he preaches. He believes in the things he says, so we can believe in him too. Because my mom's yep. is where you came from. Mother's is where you should put respect. Mother's is where you came from. Uh, above everything. Yep. In essence, I picture myself being a good leader, mm -hmm. being just, firm, tactful, good. on point. On point. <laughs> he pictures himself being on point, which is why he has to spend 20, minute, 20 seconds every minute trying to remember what the point was. Put America back on the map. Mm -hmm. Is America off the map? <laughs> Put America back on the map. Fucking <laughs> news to me. I, th I thought global politics basically revolved around the United States. I guess I was wrong. We need to put America back on the map. People are forgetting who we are. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, Tuttles. Uplift America. We need more money. We need to get out of debt. Yep. We need to restructure our White House. Restructure the White House. Needs to be we need some more waterbeds in here, I think. Can we knock out that wall there? I want a jacuzzi. Followed and abided by. Nice. Swig a beer. All right. So there's Twaddle's the 2020 presidential campaign. Now, I want you to remember that when we look at this. <clears throat> because this is Twaddle's. Now, I haven't watched this yet. I promise you, I swear to God, I have not watched a single second of this clip. I promised the person who sent it to me that I wouldn't until tonight, until today. So we're going to watch it together. 
That was Toddles, the presidential candidate. This is Toddles, lover boy. Lover boy, Toddles. The title of this video is called I Took a Girl Out Today. Cool. It's cool. So let's say, because I think everybody deserves to find love. Here on this show, we we celebrate love. All kinds of love. We love love and hate hate. We hate hate. We love love. So, <laughs> so freaky love, good love, bad love, dirty love. We don't care. If you love love, then we love you. That's the main thing here. So, I, of course, of course, I'm in favor of toddles finding love. And it would be very good for a presidential candidate to find love because that's what people want to see, right? Like, can you bring people into your inner circle? Are you trustworthy? If some, if you have a like a life partner, people think you're more trustworthy than a single guy. I know it's not fair, but it's true. Especially when you're running for higher office. So let's hear the story of Toddle's big date, his big night out. Let's see how it went. I'm very excited for this. <laughs> yeah, I got a lemonade for my uh, gin later. Uh, mix my gin with some lemonade. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> There's nothing a lady likes more. Lemonade for my uh, gen later. There's nothing more appealing to a future sexual partner than swigging warm lemonade and gin from a plastic bottle. Huh? Ah. I can hear the vagina lips moistening around the Western world as we speak. Sounds like a coffee machine percolating in the morning. People are getting moist out there. <laughs> yes, I want to drink cheap lemonaded gin from a plastic bottle, warm, not out of the fridge. Take me now, Todd. <laughs> Take me now, right here over this filthy, disgusting bedsheet. <laughs> Take me now on grandfather's chair, which are you have the TV on for some unknown reason. I'll mix my gin with some lemonade. Need some ice, but... Uh... I, 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 does he live above a fucking furnace or an oil refinery? Why is it always, regardless of the time of year, why is it always so fucking hot in Toddles' room? Where does he, does he live on the surface of the sun? Every video, shirtless, covered in sweat, covered in it. <laughs> Where does this guy live? I think he lives on Mount Kilimanjaro. Toddles, do you live above an active volcano? Why the fuck is it always so hot in there? What is going on in this house? Maybe he lives in a meth lab. <laughs> Maybe he lives in a distillery. A moonshine camp. Jesus Christ. Got no ice maker, but... Uh, no ice maker, but she won't mind. Because she uh, loves you for you. Kind of got all right news, guys. Uh, dude from my work kind of hooked me up with this chick at work. Nice. Took her out to lunch. Bought her lunch. Wait, wait. A dude from work hooked you up with a chick from work? Why couldn't you hook yourself up with the chick from work? Do you reckon it was like high school stuff? Like the friend went up to the girl behind the counter and like working in the office and said, Hey, hey, do you know Toddles? Toddles, the big sweaty guy who drinks gin and lemonade? Yeah, 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 I know him. Hey, do you like him or 
Well, he's okay, I guess. No, no, I mean, like, do you like him? Why are you asking me that? Well, what if he liked you? What would you say about that? Well, I don't know. I'd have to think about it. Does he like me? He didn't say that, but, you know, just I'm just asking, like, you know, what if? Like, if Toddles liked you, like, like-like, <laughs> would you go on a date? Like, would you go and maybe have some lunch with him or something if he, if he said he liked you? Well, maybe, but he'd have to tell me that he liked me first before I say yes. I'm not going to say yes unless I know that he likes me. Okay. <laughs> so, I made it work, hooked him up with a girl at work. Uh, she sat in my car, and she's a black girl, real pretty, 37 hey, years old. Hey, pretty black girls. Woo! Toddles drilling for oil. I can dig it. I'm not mad at you. Pretty black girls, huh? Do you remember in a previous video, Toddles, Toddles really likes black people. He said that they're a good breed, quote. They're a good breed. And now he wants to breed with a good breed. He wants pedigree pups. Ladies, <laughs> I swear to the chat, ladies, get him while you can. He's not going to be on the market very long. Base toddles, huh? Kind of like a ghetto girl. I like ghetto girls, though. She's kind of, she's real pretty. <laughs> I like ghetto girls. <laughs> oh, no, toddles. Toddles. <laughs> do, you, do you think she's going to appreciate being called a ghetto girl? Well, <laughs> maybe maybe we've been looking at this all wrong. Maybe warm lemonade and gin is exactly what this ghetto girl feline wants. <laughs> this ghetto girl fucking beauty queen. <laughs> can't wait till we meet her. He will be back up on the shelf in no time. What if she is a real ghetto girl? I want to see her on a live stream with Toddles. Drinking the gin and warm lemonade. Uh, Mom, uh, this is my girlfriend. This is my girlfriend, Lakeisha. Lakeisha. <laughs> Lady of Diamonds Gypsy. Fair did you steal the Diamond Gypsy? Says, my breathing pussy just gleated. Damn, Toddles. You can... And just imagine that you can breathe through your pussy. <laughs> In and out. Very slowly. That's right. You can breathe through your pussy. <laughs> so I want... I'm looking forward to the ghetto girl uh, meeting mum, sucking down that warm lemonade and gin in the plastic bottle. Oh, mum, this is Lakeisha. Yo, damn, what's up? This is a fucking cracker house, yo. You got television shit. Y'all gonna call my homeboys. They gonna come out. You don't mind Toss baby, do you, huh? You don't mind sweet baby, do you? You gonna impress your baby girl, right, Toss baby? Oh, <laughs> uh, Laquisha is a great girl. She uh, She's very pretty and uh, she does what I want. Yeah, damn fool, you should see this cracker house here. We're gonna be dealing crack out this motherfucker like today, man, like today. You're going to get all bang, bang up in there in this bitch. 
Yeah, man, I just blow him like once a week. He let me do whatever I want. I walk all over this motherfucker. I love you, Toddles, baby. I love you so much. You just look like the you just like so goddamn sweet, baby. Baby, you know I love you. I'd do anything for you, baby. Do you reckon Toddles' mom is going to enjoy meeting uh, the ghetto girl? That's his word, not mine. The ghetto girl. He loves the ghetto girls. <laughs> Kitty B, she's going to be a scrawny black girl with extensions and is really loud. <laughs> Cabarita chat says, not skinny. Toddles like that ass. I can't wait. I can't wait to meet her. But, uh, bought her lunch. Uh, I also got lunch, but, uh, paid for her food. Now, did you go to Popeye's? Because <laughs> that would be the predictable thing to do, Toddles. You know, just because she's a ghetto, ghetto girl doesn't mean she wants fucking fried chicken, Toddles. You're aware of that, right? Take her out of the ghetto. Show her what life can be like in Toddles' world. Take her out of the ghetto and into your sweaty, disgusting bedroom <laughs> with the stained bedsheets and the warm gin and lemonade. Yes, correct, Gypsy in the chat. He likes thick, good breeds. Ghetto girls. I love it. And then uh, talking, getting along. Yep, uh, yep. Sat in the parking lot at work. Uh, sat in... <laughs> We had a romantic afternoon in the parking lot. See, I've been I've been with my wife now for fuck shit. Ah, uh, nearly two decades. I can't imagine being single again. Cause the world has changed. It's a different time now. People meet in different ways. You know, I'm, I'm not very, I'm not a date guy. I'm not a romantic guy, especially now that I'm, you know, in my mid thirties. I'm past all that shit. I'm not interested in that stuff anymore. I'd much rather, you know, be at home, cook a barbecue, right? Watch some footy on TV. I'm a very simple man with simple pleasures. Pat my dogs. That's, hap that's happiness for me. Is drinking a cold beer, doing a spit roast in the yard, listening to some sport on the radio and patting my dogs. That's, that's like my perfect day. But if I was like, you know, if I was forced to engage in romantic endeavors once again, I would be more like, you know, I would take the traditional approach. I would try to go to places where single people are. I would, I, I don't think I could ever use like a Tinder or an app or something like that. That whole process just, eh, it irks me. I don't like it. I wouldn't be into that. So I would have to, you know, meet somebody organically. And then if I were to take him out on the date, I am the kind of guy who will open the door for you. I still do that. Open the door for you, pull the chair out for you, you know, <clears throat> I'll order for you. Tell me what you want and I'll tell the I'll tell the chef. I'll tell the waiter, right? I'll pay and then I'll take you home and I'll have no expectation. I don't expect to get laid or anything like that. Hey, you know, why don't you call me in a few days kind of thing if you want to go out again. If, are you doing something next week? Maybe we can go out again. No pressure. You know, stuff like that. And then see what happens. But that world doesn't really exist anymore. Now, you need to find yourself a ghetto bitch. <laughs> Ring the bell and get, get your, your cheese, cheese, man. man. <clears throat> Thank you, Joy of Pessy. Ladies and gentlemen, follow Joy of Pessy. 
dlive.tv slash joy of Pessy. Friday night riff, which I'm really pissed about because I've been I've been wanting to do a movie riff with Joy of Pessy. This is my secret little pleasure that I'm just gonna share with you, the audience here. Joy of Pessy is like the most fun show to for me to do when I'm not doing my show, right? So I love, 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 love being on Joy of Pessy. It's a great time. I always laugh myself silly. So I've been wanting to do a movie riff, but he only does movie riffs on Saturday nights. So this this week though, movie riff on Friday night, but Boogie's already got fucking plans. And I said to Joy of Pessy in a DM, why must you toy with my heart? <laughs> why must you play with me, Pessy? So hopefully one day I'll be able to do a movie riff with Joy of Pessy. DLive.tv slash Joy of Pessy. So back to the price of fish here. So that's the way I would approach dating if I were forced to do it again. You know, it might sound a bit, um, I don't know. You know, you might find that, you might find that as a reason to mock me. That's fine, but I would, I'm kind of forced to do like the old school gentleman thing. I couldn't do modern dating with Tinder and shit. But the the times have changed now. According to Toddles, the future president of the United States, ladies and gentlemen, you all need to find yourselves a thick ghetto ass bitch. You need to bring a. You need to sit in the car park of work, and talk, in the parking lot, and then if all goes well, hopefully she will be willing to come back to your sweaty, humid, disgusting bedroom with the stained bed sheets and suck on gin and warm lemonade. I had no idea. You know, if things don't work out with my wife, heaven for any idea. But if things don't work work out with my wife. I too will be have to I will I too will have to go out and find myself a ghetto bitch to drink warm lemonade with and sit in the car park. Cause apparently that's what's happening now. So let's carry on. So crazy. I think we have a soundtrack for Toddles here. Let's try this. Because Smokey Bear in the, chat is, in the chat is like, a thick ghetto assed unbelievable. Come on, come on now, Smokey. Let's do this. Impromptu. Here we go. This'll do. The anthem of Toddles. Thank you. We've been out. We're so excited. We've been in DC for like five. And, uh, no, I don't want the live version. Is that the only one we got? There we go. Okay, maybe that's the only one we got. That's all right. We'll deal with it. They're fifteen dollars. I I owe you two. Anyway, this is a brand. All right. Now we're talking. Kind of weird. She's Italian too, or something. She said her dad was Italian. What? She's, she's a. Black, She's an Italian ghetto-ass bitch. What is going on here, Tom? You got a lovely face. We're going to your place. 
Cause you gotta freak so pretty, me out years old. Uh, Scream so loud Get like fucking away She's real pretty You want me to stay her lunch I also got lunch, but uh, paid for the food, and then uh, talking, getting long, sat in the parking lot at work, so crazy. Eight percent. Sat in the parking lot. Uh, kind of weird. She's Italian too, or something. She said her dad was Italian, but she's black. But uh, crazy bitch. We got. I mean, she's real pretty. Crazy uh, bitch. She's half Italian. Uh, bought her food. Uh, got her chicken tenders. <laughs> she didn't. We didn't have time to eat, so she saved it. Then clock back I got a fish sandwich. Because I'm, whoa, whoa. I try to act like a man, like a gentleman in front of a woman. So I was like, oh, <laughs> we're missing so much here. Okay, so she's um, a ghetto girl, which Toddles likes, because they're a good breed. Um, he took her on a date. He bought her lunch, but he took her on a date. First, they sat in the parking lot and talked. He also has warm lemonade and gin at the ready, ready to go. But she's also Italian, apparently. So half Italian, half black, I assume. A tremendous mix. Beautiful mix. Get all of the ghetto and the pasta as well. Fantastic. Sat in the parking lot. Sat in the parking and, lot. Uh, yep. Kind of weird she's Italian too or something. She said her dad was Italian. But she's black. But uh, <laughs> I don't know. We was Italians and she. I, got, I mean, she's real pretty. Uh, she said she's half Italian. Yep. Uh, bought her food, uh, got her chicken tenders. <laughs> she didn't. Tuttles. Tuttles. Come on. <laughs> Kitty, you be in the chat. What if he gets to finger her butt in exchange for chicken tenders? I can't believe he bought her fucking fried chicken. Why don't you just give her a fucking watermelon, Todd? You're trying to impress this girl. Come on, Todd. She doesn't want you to take her out for fried chicken. She can have fried chicken any day. And probably does. <laughs> I took her out for chicken tendies. You don't go, nobody goes out for chicken tendies. You go out and you may come across some chicken tendies. You may have chicken tendies while you're out. Nobody's like, hey, have you go are you going to the restaurant? Yeah, I heard they have the amazing chicken tendies that I always like. No, nobody says that. Chicken tendies are just as good out of a fucking frozen box as they are in any place that you would eat them in the outside world. I bought a chicken. <laughs> Toddles. Come on, you can do better than this. We didn't have time to eat, so she saved her food. We didn't have time. He took her out for lunch, but they didn't have time to eat? What the fuck is happening here? <laughs> wait, wait. So you bought her chicken tendies and made them made her take them home? <laughs> hey, 
Why don't you sit down, sweetheart? I'm going to take you out for some lunch. I'm going to buy you some fried chicken because I know you people like that. <laughs> and when the food arrives at the table, he's like, uh, can we get that to go? And you can just imagine that uh, looking at him like all confused. He's like, we don't have time to eat now. We got to go. We, we, we've got to sit in the we got to sit in the parking lot and talk. Do you want some gin and lemonade? <laughs> <laughs> Donald. We had a clock back in, but uh, I got a fish sandwich because I'm I try to act like a man, like a gentleman. Well, asking for a fish sandwich is very manly. I'll give him that. Yeah, I'll take a fish sandwich to prove what a man I am. Because, <laughs> of course, the next line is, can I eat your fish sandwich? Oh, yeah. I, if I'm proving that I'm a man, I don't order a fish sandwich. In front of a woman, so I was, like, a little uneasy, like, normally. If it's just be me by myself, which is usually always the case, if it was just me alone, I would have uh, ate like a pig. Yep. But since she was in the car, you were impressing her. Like two bites at a time. I'm like, yeah, just nibbling on the sandwich, nibbling on that so fish I sandwich. To finish all of it, so I saved the rest for break. I couldn't eat the whole thing at lunch because I didn't want to. I didn't want her to see I'm a pig, you know, and eating like crazy. Yeah, hopefully she never stumbles upon your YouTube channel though. <laughs> I don't want her to see that I'm a pig. As he sits in his room, shirtless, sweating like a fucking wildebeest on a hot, on a hot Saharan plain somewhere, <laughs> drinking warm beer and warm lemonade and gin. I don't want her to see that you know I'm a pig or anything. Have you checked out my latest video? Did you know I'm running for president? <laughs> Suck it down, Todd. So I had to pay for her, and I really didn't get to enjoy my food. <laughs> Cabaret with the George Costanza. <laughs> Excellent. Excellent. Topical sticker use. The girl's worth it. Uh, and after work, went to like this little cafe, yeah. got her a drink. And uh -huh. talked. What's he? What's what's this? What's this behavior here? What's with the tapping on the? Is he giving himself a tap on the shoulder? <laughs> is Todd? This is your subconscious telling you that it's time to wrap this up. <laughs> this is your subconscious taking control of your motor functions I'm telling you, it's time Todd It's time to wrap this video up mate Man, I really didn't get to enjoy Look my at food, this but What is this? Chick's worth it she, uh, Girl's worth it Watch this uh, And after work Went to like this little cafe, got her a drink. Is he, is he smacking up? Is he getting a vein? Is he on such a high from his afternoon with the ghetto girl that he needs something, you know, just to take a little edge off? <laughs> Kitty B, his dead mum tapped his shoulder. <laughs> Still going. Dropped her off where she had to go, but uh, 
Maybe this is foreplay to Todd. She seemed pretty nice. Um, I mean, maybe he's having a heart attack. <laughs> maybe all that gin and lemonade and fish sandwiches and chicken tendies is finally getting to the old carotid artery there. Having a little... Working a little hard to get the blood through down to the extremities. Poor Todd. She said she might go come back, return back to work tomorrow. I don't know. Gave her my number in case she doesn't show back up. But I think she'll show back up. But we clicked. We got along. But, uh, we got along real good. Maybe next time I'll get a kiss or something, I hope. Yeah. You know, I know things take time, but uh, I told her she's pretty. and she, she, she told me I look nice without my glasses. She said I look good with my glasses on. That's what you want to hear. I liked her. I bet. She'd be a lot of fun to hang around. She got like a martini with just uh, vodka, Tito vodka. Wait, wait. <laughs> so, let's recap the romantic date here. We sat in the parking lot. First of all, my friend hooked me up. He didn't ask her out. The friend asked him out, asked her out for him. Who is she? She's a ghetto girl, Todd's words. He's drilling for oil with the ghetto chicks. So he said, I'm going to take this ghetto girl out on a date because I like ghetto girls. So first of all, they sat in the parking lot for an undisclosed amount of time. Probably the time they could have been having lunch and then they didn't have time to have lunch, but we'll get to that. So they go to the place where they have lunch and Toddles thinks, how am I going to impress this ghetto girl? I know. I'll buy her some fried chicken, which is, of course, the native food of these people. I assume this is Todd's thought pattern. I'll buy her some fried chicken so she understands that I know what she's about. So while they're sitting there, they've ordered their fried chicken and fish sandwich. In the meantime, time elapses to the point where there's no time to eat lunch. We cannot eat. There's not enough time. I told her we don't have time to eat the food. We just have to go home. But I did manage to force a martini into her. <laughs> a very, very, very alcoholic cocktail. The One of the most alcoholic cocktails. It's basically just alcohol. A martini. <laughs> so I got, I got her a martini and got her nice and soused on an empty stomach. <laughs> she really is a ghetto girl. I like this chick. She could do so much better than Todd. <laughs> <laughs> she don't drink like I do like she don't like her liver like my liver is kind of messed up I was telling her but uh. I don't know if you heard that or not <laughs> let me turn it up here let Toddles tell the story <laughs> hang around she got like a Martini with just uh, vodka, Tito vodka, or something like that. She's, vodka martini. Yep. She don't drink like I do. Like she don't like her liver. Like my liver is kind of messed up. I was telling her, but. <laughs> so, what a first date. She's discovered that you'll order her fried chicken. That you like ghetto bitches. <laughs> that you drink warm gin and lemonade. You sweat a lot in your hot apartment. You take them out for lunch but there's no time to eat and you're an alcoholic <laughs> he told him my liver's kind of messed up I got a messed up liver
And she looks at him and says, you know, you look nice with your glasses on and your glasses off. <laughs> Not a good move, mate. Fashion Stiffy in the chat. Don't tell her about your messed up liver. That comes after years of being together. And you want her to discover the empty vodka bottles that you leave around the house. That's the way to tell that's the way to tell your significant other that you have an alcohol problem. It's by just leaving evidence around. Eventually they'll twig and by then it's too late for them to leave. You know, they've been with you too long. They've invested too much time and emotion into the relationship. They won't dare leave you. It's like, well, you're stuck with me now. <laughs> you don't tell them straight up front, by the way, I've got a fucked liver because I'm an alcoholic. <laughs> I told her I went to learning disabled school. I told her I went to. Probably. He's told. He's, he's he's very honest. He's telling her all up front. I'm an alcoholic. I've got a liver problem. I went to a special school for learning disabled people. <laughs> he's got balls. I'll give him that. A few things I shouldn't have said, but it just came out. It just came out. Oh well. Told her about my ex-girlfriend in 2005. She was Todd. <laughs> he's just he's just opened the door and the skeletons are fucking falling on her like an avalanche. You could just imagine how this conversation went. Why don't I get you some chicken tendies? That sounds great. So, uh, how long have you been working there? Um, I'm an alcoholic. I went to a special school. And let me tell you about my ex-girlfriend. <laughs> she would have been sitting there. Yeah, you know what? We don't have time to eat. We haven't got time for lunch. <laughs> Can I get you something to drink? Martini. <laughs> Extra vodka, please. <laughs> She's like, I'm just going to drink my way through this fucking date and be done with it. <laughs> I'm going to get the hell out of here. Take my chicken attendees and my buzz and go home. <laughs> the special school alcoholic guy who talks about his ex-girlfriends on the first date a lunch date because why else would she be drinking martinis on a lunch date it was to help her get through it come on black she actually looked her up and saw a picture of her from 15 well i dated her 15 years ago and we saw a picture of her on her phone but small oh wait the ex-girlfriend was black as well. Oh, no. Because you know what he did, didn't you? Don't you? You know what he said to her. He sat her down because she's black and said, you know, I've dated black women before. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I've had it. Uh, did you know I've had a black girlfriend before? Yeah, back in 2005. Look, here's a picture of her. Ooh. <laughs> this is not going well. Even just hearing the story, alarm bells are ringing. There are red flags flying in from every fucking direction. My, my liver is ruined. I'm an alcoholic. I went to a special school. Here, I'll get you the fried chicken. It's what you people like. Do you want a martini? I've dated black girls before. Look, here's a picture of one from 2005. <laughs> Kitty V, he only dates black girls. Here is proof. <laughs> Small little picture of her. Oh. Might have been a recent picture. God. She looks good. I mean, she still looks the same. <laughs> 
Toddles. Did you show a picture of your ex-girlfriend from 2005 and remark how good she looks? I know there are no, like, rules to dating, but he's breaking all of them. <laughs> Look how pretty my ex was. Don't you think she's hot? <laughs> she's black too. Chicken tendies. Where are our tendies? We're running out of time here. Do you want a martini? <clears throat> I'd like to have one, but my liver's ruined. Been an alcoholic for so long. I just wish I knew more about the dangers of alcoholism, but I went to a special school as a kid, you know, for the uh, mentally disabled. So, you know, I do what I can. So anyway, you're black, right? <laughs> Fuck. Look at my ex-girlfriend. Look how hot she is. Jesus Christ, Todd. Dead Jedi in the chat. How can she resist? Good question. Has, has, has he got her profile up on the computer now? Oh, God. Oh, God. I th I think he has her profile up on the PC next to him. Oh, Jesus Christ, Todd. Wow. kind of cool I got to hang out with a girl and my dude at work hooked me up he's like ask her out for lunch you know pulled me aside dude at work kind of hooked me up uh, sounds like a setup <sighs> she's pretty I wish I wish we could have got it on but maybe she'll give me a kiss next time or something maybe give me a little bit uh happy ending <laughs> <laughs> I hope she sees this, bro. joining us ladies and gentlemen boys and girls on this wednesday night we've gone wow we've gone way over time toddles will do that to you getting those ghetto ass bitches <laughs> toddles thank you for joining us on this wednesday night edition of the daily boogie podcast i'll be back on friday night 6 p.m with another episode thank you so much for your contributions tonight on d live thank you for sharing the show out if you did if you didn't that's okay too i guess uh, don't forget to follow our friends tonight. Coffee Talk with Sandra, uh, having a chat with Kimmy Y Censored, the Electrolux, uh, Irrational Times. There may be uh, a Nightwave later on, we don't know. Um, don't forget to follow our friends JJ Stoner, Joy of Pessy. Who else is there? Uh, Way Dave with Lois Ropez. Uh, the ROTC guys, of course. Uh, Major Tom, Sunday Night Shit Show, Frozen Asian. UK Neil, Mr. America, The Bearded Truth, Real Person, PLTCS, 
And anyone else? Oh, Iceman, double four, double three. Winning TV, of course. Don't forget about Winning TV. Uh, Irrational Times is on right now. There you go. So check on check on over to Irrational Times. So until Friday night, ladies and gentlemen, that's it from me and Toddles. That broke me. <laughs> Kitty, that one, that one fucking broke me. <laughs> Hopefully I get a happy ending. <laughs> We've only just begun, Todd. We've only just begun. The future president of the United States. Uh, until Friday night, ladies and gentlemen. That's it from me. Stay calm, stay rational. God bless, and we'll see you soon. Bye-bye.